they just saw a decapitated, burned body on the side of the road. He had uh, gone and, and tried to get him a, uh, a couple of uh, prostitutes. One of them was a dwarf. I think if I would put any more pressure on that trigger, yeah, we would have shot her. I could feel the presence of death. Welcome to 1023 Podcast, from on scene to on air with those who were there. Before we get started, we want to give a shout out to one of our all-time favorite companies, 1350 Apparel. 1350 Apparel is a law enforcement owned and operated apparel company based out of West Palm Beach, Florida. We here at 1023 Podcast love what they're all about, and many of us actually wear 1350 products while on duty due to the superior quality of everything they make. 1350 Apparel also worked with us to design and produce the first ever official 1023 Podcast t-shirts, which are awesome in fit, function, and style. So if you're a true patriot and you want to support a great organization with a great mission full of great people, go check out 1350 Apparel and get yourself and your loved ones some awesome gear. Lastly, the views and opinions of the individuals featured on 1023 Podcast do not necessarily reflect those of their employers or their profession. Viewer discretion is advised. This is 1023 Podcast, episode 10-0, with Brandon Jones and myself, Hunter Fithin. Also featuring, behind the scenes, my lovely and talented wife, Ashley Fithin. Uh, good evening, Jones. Good evening, Fithin. Good evening, Ashley. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. <laughs> so formal. I know, right? Well, I couldn't really decide how I wanted to open it up, so I just decided to be really professional about it. Anyway, tonight we're just here to talk about cop stuff. We're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about why Jones and I here got into law enforcement, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the craziest stuff that we've seen on the job and some of the craziest things we've done. Um, Jones, why did you get involved in law enforcement? Well, I needed a job that was not boring. I uh, come from a farming background, farming and ranching, and I thought that that's, uh, through high school, I basically kind of screwed off and thought, I, I'm going to be a, a farmer, like I just, you know, kind of coasted through and thought that was going to be my path, and we ended up leasing our land out, and I had to uh, find something else to do in a hurry because I needed a job, and I ended up working for... Um, Oh, a road and bridge department, and then it ended up working for the state and the highway department. And um, I was basically on the back of an asphalt truck, and we were spreading asphalt. And I'm oh, in my early to mid twenties, and thought this isn't the career. Not there's anything wrong with that career, but it's mm-hmm. wasn't a career path for me. And I'm like, I got to figure out something else yeah. to do that. Uh, um, oh, I can get more fulfillment out of. I guess it sounds kind of corny, but I just I wouldn't get it from the asphalt truck. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. I think, yeah, not every job is for everybody, but yeah. So, so you're in like your mid twenties when you get in. Yeah, I I uh, went to the academy, graduated the academy when I was twenty six. So that would have probably been when I was about twenty five. Okay. And I uh, it was actually in two thousand one because I started going to uh, taking some uh, college classes and because um, okay. I remember it was. Uh, well, I just remember going to college when uh, 9-11 happened and just going to class. My, oh, one of my criminal yeah. justice classes that, that night, I went to it, and then they, I mean, we were only there 15, 20 minutes, and they ended up just canceling it because that's all we talked about, and then we just went back home to yeah. watch everything unfold on TV. Yeah, that's crazy, huh? 
I was in not not to make you sound dated, Jones, but I, I was, thought, in, you know I was in first grade when well, I was at least you happened. weren't in diapers. Yeah, that's true. You know, let's move right along. You know, it's funny though, um I, I also went to the police academy when I was twenty five, I think. Um yeah, because I, I had uh I was in co- I'd gone to college right after high school and then um applied to be a cop at a few different agencies a couple different times and got turned down. Um, she told me, you know, I was either too young or um, didn't have enough life experience, which is probably true. But, um, yeah, no, I, I got in the academy about, I think I was 25, 24, 25. So, yeah, I guess we started around the same age. Um, when you started, uh, did you start with, uh, I know you're currently employed by did you start there? Yeah, I started with the, okay. with the, the department that I'm with now. Okay. How long have you been at the SO? Uh, it's 19, it was 19 years in November, so I'm coming up, okay. you know, it's, I'm working on my 20 now. Yeah. So, I know whenever you're in law enforcement, uh, one of the, kind of one of the perks of being in this field is you can retire and, and pull your full retirement at, at 20 years. Are you looking to do that? Are you staying? No, and I, actually here, I don't think we can. I mean, I think that... Can we uh, not? No, my first, uh, my first, uh, I'm 46, my first option is at 47, but it's not a very good option. Oh. You know, it's, I'm not, a, I would, mm. so I need to wait another, you know, you wait another five years, it, it, it increases, and you wait another 10, and it really increases, so okay. that's... Okay, well... Um, yeah, that's basically how it works. I think up in the Northeast, maybe they have these pensions at 20, but it's not worth maybe a damn so. here. Uh, hmm. And that's not just at this particular department. I think that generally in this in general, region is how it works. Well, so I'm glad I know that now. I'll, I'll change my plans. <laughs> yeah, well, now now you're going to. Yeah, I, I thought <laughs> I only had like 16 years to go, but I guess, you know, we'll just keep trucking. So, yeah, <laughs> unless something changes, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you started, um, so there's been changes, and there always will be changes that happen in the field. But when you started, what was it like being a cop? Well, it's yeah, the department was a whole lot different. Which I mean, we yeah. worked for the same department. Yes, uh, yeah. But it was a uh, one. The reason I went uh, with the department I went to was because it was an easy transition, and it. Uh, I hate to say it because we don't get along for for the money, mm-hmm. but it paid more. And it was actually sure, the road and yeah. bridge that I was working for was, uh, I mean, it was the same county that I ended yeah. up working for that sheriff department. So okay. I, I just, it was an easy transition and helped my retirement transition. So actually I have more than 20 because I've got that road and bridge time. That's, uh, yeah, I think tw- 22 years and, and some change, but nice. um, it was just an easier transition. And I, I, when I went to work there, honestly, it was a uh, pretty low key department. A lot mm-hmm. of older dudes that honestly sat around and didn't do much. Um, yeah. The call volume was a lot lower than what it is now. I mean, we our call volume is probably uh, oh, two, three hundred percent higher than it was uh, back then. You know, 20 years ago or nearly 20 years ago. And yeah. it was just a not a progressive department, kind of a, where people went to retire, and I was uh, the youngest guy there. Just getting started. And I, uh, I stuck it out. I wasn't that happy at the beginning, and um, I had some other job offers at smaller departments, but they were more high speed. Um, uh, one in particular wanted me to go to work for them, $10,000 a year less, but I'd be really? working on the interstate, and they wanted me to do interdiction. I really thought about mm. that, but I... Uh, 
uh, my uncle had told me, he's like, man, you just stick it out. And he's not in law enforcement. He's actually in the oil field. Yeah. But he, he's like, stick it out. And, uh, you know, you just try to be that change and try to get with other people and help affect change in your department. That's yeah. essentially well, what I was, you know, myself and some others were, were lucky enough to do over time. Yeah. And I'm glad I stayed here now because it's, you know, completely turned around and it's a, it's a progressive uh, department and we've got a great group of people. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's where I wanted it to be when I started, but at least it's there now. Yeah. Well, no, I, I can definitely attest to that being there now. Now, you know, I haven't been a cop for near as long, but our agency now, like we're we're pretty dang busy and we get a lot of good work done. But yeah, we do have a really good crew, and it's crazy to think of of kind of where where the agency started and kind of where it is now. And I'm gonna say, I think that helped me. I think really? it being old school and there's these old dudes that didn't want to do anything, mm-hmm. yeah. sitting around at a freaking coffee shop or whatever, and I'm just itching to do something. And they're sitting around eating chips and hot sauce. I'm like, what are we doing? Because <laughs> that's literally what some of these guys were doing that I was yeah. right when I was in training. But I, I think that that helped me appreciate things more as we got them and got to do them. I think I appreciated mm-hmm. more because that's not what I had to begin with. Well, the, the proposition of, or like the idea of being in that environment and then having the opportunity to go and do something like highway interdiction but it comes with this big pay cut like that's actually very interesting because I could see I could see like the the urge to want to do that just to be like I'm going to go do my own thing and, and do this but I don't know I think it, I think it, it, there's also a lot to be said for sticking around and seeing the agency and helping it helping it grow to where it is now like that's a that's a pretty unique experience, I think. To yeah, and, and to be fair, I did have some, some farming that I was still tied to here, so that kind of helped keep me grounded. But at the same time, I mean, I could have, uh, yeah. you know, I still didn't have to stay here to do that because the agency wasn't too far. It was less than an hour away that was, yeah. um, I was you know, well, possibly going to. Well, still, though, but things like with when it comes to money, like, yeah, no one, I don't want to say no one, but good cops don't really get involved in law enforcement for the money. But it, that doesn't mean that it's not a factor at all. Like, well, sure. I mean, you don't want to make yeah. Yeah, you don't get it for, for the money. Uh, yeah. But you don't want to make irrational choices that affect your well, you know, your your family's well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, hey, you know, I want I want to do my part. I want to go do cop work, but I'm not looking to to make ten dollars an hour doing it, and you know, putting my neck out on the line to, you know, barely make ends meet. So, yeah, it all factors in. But, but. Currently, where we work, I think we get compensated pretty well above average. For no, I think area. yeah, it's, it's yeah. above average for the uh, yeah. for the area. Of course, we have a great tax base where we're at with uh, different oil and gas. It's very diversified with the oil and gas and yeah. uh, ag stuff and other things. Yeah. So you get out of the sheriff's office and things are kind of uh, we'll say low speed at that time. But what are like some of the first like exciting things you get to do as a cop? Like, well, and I, and I, I, this is I think I should give these people a shout out, which I, I don't even some of them I haven't talked to in many years, but um, I had a uh, and this was at the PD. So I worked at the SO, and this is our the, the PD that was within our uh, county. Okay, yeah. I had a couple of guys that kind of uh, uh, took me in and taught me how to be a real cop because all the people that I worked with really yeah. weren't that great at doing that. And um, sure. Uh, Bud Trimble and Shane Glassy were two guys that were huge on just uh, teaching me how to, especially, and I got into working narcotics and working dope, but they were two guys that on a street level, just in a, you know, marked unit, working dope mm-hmm. houses and, and even uh, working the highway to a certain extent, they uh, really helped me with that. And then working informants and all, Shane Glassy was pivotal to that. And he's a, a huge part of my, um, I want to call it success, but part of 
me just kind of lo- learning how to work the dope game and work informants and things like that and having a passion for that. Yeah. He taught me. Uh, he, he taught me how to do that. He taught me what it'd be like the first time that, you know, through an informant, you you mm-hmm. know, did a controlled buy, what it felt like to hit right and, and do your first search warrant. Like, and everything he said was exactly, and the feelings he said I would have was exactly the way it went. <laughs> and, he, it. and he was huge. And, you know, it's unfortunate because the department he worked kind of started going south, and he he was a damn good cop, and he left mm-hmm. because of the bullshit there. Really? And um, he ended up working for a, I'm probably making a lot more money working for a, a gas and oil company as a safety guy and now he's yeah um in the san antonio area uh, as a uh, working down there probably even with the uh, you know almost like a promotion but uh I, I talked to him still on the phone he called me the other night and he still has that passion it's really sad because he has that passion yeah. for law enforcement and he you know can't do it and he's mm-hmm. doing well where he's at but he's mm-hmm. uh i mean i don't think he's all that happy i think he would have been much happier in yeah. the state of law enforcement that shows you what one shitty leader in a department can do to the entire department and, and you and i have both seen that That's with it with the departments in the area yes we'll say. <laughs> yeah yeah no you could say that and I it's mean, huge because it runs good and, and Trimble left too mm-hmm. uh, and the, I, I, want, I, I tell you one of the biggest things in my law enforcement career that I've seen yeah is good cops get pushed out the door yeah that's I, I've seen more of that than mm-hmm. almost anything which, which is a tragedy it really is it, it is because well I mean I, it kind of goes without saying like yeah obviously you don't want the good cops to leave and be stuck with like lower quality officers but I don't know why I haven't been able to put my finger on exactly why that is the way it is like why that happens like and I know it's because certain people get in leadership positions that don't really need to be in those positions. When you wonder if they feel threatened and so they're just asses yeah. to, to these guys that are coming up and people like uh, Glassy and, and maybe even Trimble, I don't think they had any aspirations of being a chief one day and they probably sure. would have been great chiefs had they, had they uh, done that but they just wanted mm-hmm. to do good at their job. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, all the best cops, that's all they want to do is, I don't know, go get bad guys and protect innocent people and enforce the law. So they, they started getting um, um, shit on and they just, you know, couldn't take it anymore <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they left, which is unfortunate for the community yeah. they were serving. Yeah, well, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. So, yeah, I, and I think that you, kind of what you pointed out with these guys, helping kind of bring you up in the cop world, going from, from rookie to a more seasoned officer, that is super, super common. I think everyone who stays in the job that's that's a very very common thing that they stay in because someone early on kind of took them under their wing and showed them how to do it the right way and showed them how rewarding it can be and how fun it can be and that sticks with you and and I think that that type of uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but that type of kind of just instruction carries over and you know you you pass it on to someone else like it kind of a baton type thing I guess but um no it's super cool I kind of had a similar experience so you know I I started out um my current agency is not my first agency um, but I worked for a um local PD in this area and very similar thing I I was I tried to work with the guys in the department who were really really good and really proactive and I was very lucky that um you know when you're when you're brand new you don't get to pick which shift you're going to be assigned to but i was hoping whenever i got hired on that i knew what shift i wanted to be on and that's the one that i got 
and it had just some some rock stars on it that just great cops and so I got to learn from them and it really shaped me into the cop that I try and be today and so it's that can be monumental. Well, something very important with that is that people, I mean, these guys uh, taught me how to treat people right, too. Yes, yeah. And, and even try to uh, how to treat bad guys right or yeah. dopers right. Or, because, you yeah. know, it, we're not mad at them. You know, we don't need to be assholes no. to them all the time. And, yeah. and uh, I don't think... Uh, people understand how influential a uh, seasoned officer is to a rookie, to a younger oh, guy, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you, you watch these guys doing this, that, or the other, and that's yeah. what you want to do, and you, maybe you're not seasoned enough, or I don't know, smart enough is not the right word, but you, you just, well, you, you watch a guy, I mean, you need to be brought up in the right environment, you need a guy yeah. like that teaching you, this is how you treat people, and, there's a lot of street and, and why you do it. Yes, yeah, exactly, well, you, you have to understand too, and I think you, a lot of guys coming out of the academy, they, they kind of understand it at face value, but you don't really understand it till you get out in the field. But you have a lot of power as, oh, yeah. as a peace officer. Like you, you, you have the great legal power. Of, you can take someone's freedom away. If, See, the, 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 that is huge. That's we mm -hmm. went down to the an academy trying to get some recruits. Uh, yeah, it, you weren't with us, were you? No, not recently. So they, and that's what I told them. I said people don't realize they think about well, hey, you have a mm -hmm. uh, this this gun and this yeah. police car and all this stuff, and yeah, that's mm -hmm. super powerful tools. But yeah. the biggest power that a cop has is that he take. This is America, and the, mm -hmm. we have the power to take people's freedom away. And we oh yeah. yeah, treat that very seriously and with respect. And that's why I told mm -hmm. those kids in that academy because I'm like, I don't care where you go, yeah. but you need to respect that. Oh yeah, oh because, yeah, because it's a huge, it's a huge thing to have. And yeah. You need to respect it and appreciate it and, and not abuse it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you take that? We can take a break. No, it's a spam call. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, maybe we should just answer it and mess with them. Yeah, I guess we could. <laughs> that would, actually, I wish I would have answered now. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's... I think it's really good to... Well, like you said, so whenever I was new, whenever I was, was a brand new cop, I wanted to be you know, a good cop. I wanted to be viewed by my peers and viewed by the community as, you know, one of the good cops. Like the, if people were ever, I don't know, sitting down at the local cafe talking about, you know, the, the local police force, I would want to be one that's named or like viewed favorably and not like, mm -hmm. this guy's garbage. Like he, you know, he just sits down and doesn't do anything or writes people tickets for no reason or whatever. Um, but yeah, being able to learn from guys who were good was extremely beneficial to me, and and I wanted to be, I wanted to emulate that, and so, yeah, it, uh, I don't know, it just it sticks with you, but that's a big deal. Well, and and then you can pass that on to the people that that come up under you, and then it's just yeah, the citizens have a better view of of the officers, the deputies. I mean, it's a mm -hmm. something so little was really huge. Yeah, and that. that that is a very overlooked aspect, I think, where, um, so, you know, as well as I do, in law enforcement, we get called to handle a lot of situations that are not necessarily really a law enforcement issue, where we'll get called to, uh, well, here's a good example. Um, there's a, an elderly lady, and she keeps calling 911, and she's telling the dispatchers, a bunch of crazy things that don't really make any sense. Well, she's not really breaking any laws or doing anything illegal mm -hmm. or trying to report a crime or anything, but they're going to send an officer out to go talk to her, to check on her or whatever. And it's like, we're not there to, for like a law enforcement duty at that time, but like 
you are going out to essentially just be to be a good man and go talk to this lady and see what she's well, upset and, and, about. And who else is going to do it? And Nobody. there's a, there's a yeah. debate in law enforcement, especially mm-hmm. nationally, yes. that do police do things like this? And do we like going to calls like that? And, and number one is, yeah. is and when I, when I would train people, which I didn't train you, but uh, when I would train mm-hmm. these, these younger guys, I'd be like, hey, why don't you treat the, and this isn't BS, this is what I would tell them. I, imagine that with your grandma or your sister yes. or your dad or, yeah. or your brother or whoever. Mm-hmm. How would you want them to be treated? Yeah. Well, that's how you should treat these people. And if your grandma was making these phone calls mm-hmm. and freaked out for whatever reason, yeah. Would you want the cop to come there and be nice? And number one, come there. Like, go to yeah, that Yeah, actually call. go talk to him. Yeah, yeah, because maybe yeah. maybe she's a crazy old lady, or maybe mm-hmm. there actually is a guy trying to steal, you know, something <laughs> yeah. out of her car or who something. Knows? You yeah. know, who knows? Yeah. But, and who else is going? And just like with the mental health stuff. Yeah. Like, I get that's out of the law enforcement, like, criminal justice yes. scope. But at the same time, who else is going to go? And those people need help, too, mm-hmm. even if it's a total, which it yeah. often is, a cluster. But yes. who else is going to deal with that? But that? Yeah, the short answer is no one. No one else is going to do it. There's no other agency that is publicly publicly funded to deal with those specific types of issues. And, again, if, if that's your if that's your brother, your cousin, your mm-hmm. mom, your dad, I mean, yeah. and, and I know that there's some cities that are sending, um, I, I guess, social workers, psychiatrists out there. Yeah. Okay, but they don't have the uh, field experience yeah. of, of an uh, Law enforcement has done this for so long mm-hmm. that they come real, and, and not every time they're out batting, yeah. you know, 100%, but no one is. They, uh, they do better than anybody else because they get more training and experience in it. And then the seasoned guys, mm-hmm. they, you know, typically train their young people, their yeah. young officers, how to deal with the situation. And so it's, uh, yeah, they're the most experienced group of people to do that as law enforcement. Yeah. Even though I guarantee you could interview and, and, and maybe one day we'll have somebody in here mm-hmm. that disagrees with us. But the cops, That's they cool. don't want to have to deal with it. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't convince me otherwise that there's nobody else to do it. I mean, and I don't like going to every one of them. I mean, they, a lot of times they suck and they're clusters. Yes, but yeah. It, oh, it's it's something that I think that's, that's just part of our job, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. It is. Well, and, yeah, law enforcement a lot of times becomes kind of a kind of a catch-all. We used to joke about it, at, you know, whenever I had first started in we joked that law enforcement was kind of, we call it society's garbage disposal, because it's like all the, all the nasty, unpleasant problems that society does not want to address or does not really want to deal with or, or dedicate funds to, ultimately you just end up becoming a law enforcement issue. Well, and, and we can sit, sit in at a restaurant, any cop in America can mm-hmm. probably have a story similar to this. I've had people ask me, well, how far is it to yeah. so-and-so town? Or, and I've had one person in, a long time ago, but they were telling me, and I think she was an older lady, maybe it was her son, but mm-hmm. they'd been cheated on, you know, and she thought it was wrong, and I'm like, well, man, that's not a criminal, ju- this is me just trying to eat in a restaurant, but she's telling me, <laughs> which is a moral yeah. thing, but she, yes. you know, people can uh, confuse that with the criminal mm-hmm. justice, but it's People would be shocked to what people come up to officers, yeah. deputies, and, and mm-hmm. just talk about it's wrong. People, well, you, I think you had that happen to you today at lunch, yeah. as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, people report moral crimes, crimes of moral indecency all the time, and it's it's you get really good at very kindly explaining to people, like, you know what, like I'm, I'm totally on board with you, I'm tracking with you, that, that really sucks, I feel for you, but not a crime. You know, no, it's, it but at the same time, we're we're giving them a service by sitting there talking, and we can't yes, yeah. you know, shank other calls or spend too much time there. But we just you know give a few minutes. What's mm-hmm. an extra two or three minutes out of your day? It's nothing really. I mean, 
It's nothing. You know, sometimes that two or three minutes turns into an hour and you can't get away, but that's usually yeah. because your your shift mates leave you out to dry. Yeah, well, and then they laugh at you while you're on that call, you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, yeah, fifth and took that when we, we got away with it. Yeah, it's all part of the experience. I think the real MVPs, though, are whenever you get a like a mental health call, and like at, at the, my, my prior agency, we had beats that we worked and everything, but if you had the crazy lady that you know every time she calls it's going to be some kind of cluster like that you have someone on your shift who are like it's in your beat and it's your job to go deal with them but you dealt with them last time and someone will like okay fine fair is fair i'll take it mvp for sure yeah. like, <laughs> <clears throat> well you know and that just made me think of something that as just um when I was tra training guys or even after they were trained and then um, out on the street when I was uh, running a shift, something that's kind of an interesting, something I would have to do or felt I needed to do mm -hmm. was have make sure that they saw the, um, you know, I don't know, gore, the the the, uh, the yeah. death, uh, yeah. uh, just bad things. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, I don't want to get into too much of the detail, there was a very super bad car wreck, and there was younger kids involved that had perished. Uh -huh. And I remember ha having one of my deputies, I'm like, hey, uh, I need you to, like, the, the fireman needed help doing some stuff. I'm like, mm -hmm. I need you to go help him. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel guilty. Because well, I was like, man, I because it was super bad. I mean, these because there, yeah. there had been a fire and, and it was it was very oh, yeah. very bad. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, just having some guilt for that. And then we had, uh, you know, uh, some of the parents showed up on scene. And we had to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I literally after that call, and I was out there for hours. Mm -hmm. And after that call, I went to um, uh, I had an, I was out there for hours on that accident and several hours and, and talked to parents and ha had to give notifications to the ones that were on scene and all that all stuff. Yeah. My next call was literally a lady that was pissed off because there was somebody's dog was in her front yard. And I remember her talking to me, and she was upset about it. And I'm like, woman, in my mind, yes, yeah. you have no clue what you know. these several different families have just gone through. Yeah. And we were still awaiting one to, to come into our lobby because we had to do notification there. Yeah. And, and uh, that, that was a, a strange set of emotions. It's, I don't think I've ever even talked about that with anybody before, but it was mm – -hmm. I had some guilt because of cinema, which – I don't know if Gil, uh, I, mean, I had to do, it's my job. I had to see these yeah. guys to make sure they can handle the job, right? Well, yeah. Even though they're out of FTO. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the stuff with the parents and the, and the, the gore of the scene and everything, and just mm -hmm. the total tragic day with, with, with that. Yeah, accident. it's terrible. And then you go and somebody's pissed off, cause they, and she has no idea what i just been to, right? Yeah. And, or what, yeah. what happened to these families. But yes, um, that's just, that's something I think people don't understand mm -hmm. about cop work either, is that yeah. you go from this hardcore stuff to a freaking dog, you know, pissing in somebody's yard and it's, a, yeah. it's the biggest fucking problem of the week, you know, these folks. It, it's some wild, just social whiplash, basically, because, yeah, you go from the, like, super horrific, god-awful, post-traumatic stress-inducing scene to something silly like that, where it's like, to this lady with a dog call... That's like the worst thing that's happened to her all week. And yeah, when I was like angry at her inside, I'm like, lady, but again, it wasn't her fault. I've done that, I've you know, the exact same thing. And, yeah. and I think I worked with the call pretty well. She, I don't she had any idea that I was like, well, lady, what the hell? Yeah. You don't have a, you don't, you don't know what a real problem is right now. Yeah. yeah. But it, that is a, you know, there's the swings of law enforcement. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, a, I think it's a great, uh, you know, depiction of, of how your shift can go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, you never know what you're gonna get. It's just that's part of that's part of what makes the job interesting but well, well speaking of that one of the things that we want to talk about tonight is it's hard to say what what the most 
intense or like the craziest call you've ever been on is but what's one of them for yeah you? and that's how you know you, you think and here's another thing with you know 19 or so years uh in the business if you will you think you know something happens and you i wish i would have wrote everything down yeah. the day that i started because mm-hmm. i had probably one hell of a book oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You know, you think, hey, if something happens, you think, hey, this was crazy as hell, it's funny, it's it's tragic, mm-hmm. it's all this, mm-hmm. and you think you'll remember it. But yeah. then three, four, five years go down the road, and hell, you forgot about it because you had all these other things that happened between mm-hmm. that time, yeah. and then things get jumbled together, and, and you, yeah. it, it, a normal person, they would remember that one thing for the rest of their life, and hell, I, I have a hard time, you know, searching back that far, but there, I mean, there's a few things that have stuck out and have been, you know, weird and kind of funny, but... Mm-hmm. We worked a, uh, we had a 911 call of a in, in in a rural part of the county, a ranch house, yeah. where a guy <clears throat> said he had been kidnapped, and uh, so we get out there. And actually, I wasn't out. I I came into this because I was on day shift, so I came into the kind of the tail end cleanup portion of it. But the night guys go out there, and this guy had, uh, and he was forthcoming about it. I mean, he told what had happened, but he had. In a uh, neighboring city, he had uh, gone and, and tried to get him a, uh, a couple of uh, prostitutes, and one of them, I don't know why this makes it more maybe an entertaining part of the story, but one of them was a dwarf, and um, <laughs> the other one is, I guess, a, 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 not a dwarf, a normal-sized lady. Okay, yeah. But he, he had tried to uh, hire them for uh, their services, and he got hit in the head, uh, back of the head with a baseball bat and knocked out. Oh. And they rolled him, you know, took him for his money, I guess the pimp, uh, yeah. uh, but they threw him in the back of the uh, trunk of a car. So he's he's uh, <laughs> wakes up in the trunk, and he just knows, he feels them driving around and can hear them talking. It's like a freaking movie, dude. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this really happened. So they're driving around all over in, the, in that city, just to our south, mm-hmm. and... Uh, well, they end up driving him. He says he basically feels the turn stop, and he can tell that they're on a highway now, and they're just driving and driving. Okay. Well, they eventually stop, and mm-hmm. so he plays dead. They take him out of the trunk, throw him in the ditch, and then they kick him a couple of times for good measure, hmm. and, and they think he's I mean, obviously think he's dead. So they close the trunk, drive off. He waits long enough where he thinks they're gone. Yeah. Gets up, stands up, and he's out in the middle of like hardcore nowhere in the in the county that we work in, <laughs> and he can see some lights at a distance, and he can see the lights of the of our main city in our county at a you know mm-hmm. twenty miles away. So he he walks to a ranch house, he yeah. knocks on the door, nobody's there. He breaks in and calls nine one one, and that's how law enforcement gets there. God. He didn't didn't even know his address. Didn't know what county was the city. He didn't yeah. know have a clue where he was at. Interesting. So, so deputies get there and um, you know start working the case, but the the rancher wanted to file charges on him for uh, burglary. Really? Which we yeah, and he was pit. We had to t- talk him out of it because he was well, like, oh he broke into my well dude he was trying to get away from like a crazy pimp and, and some yeah like, prostitutes. Did you do an emergency situation? Yeah. Like I think maybe we should cut him some slack. That is so insane though because the way you describe that call like coming out like the way it comes out. Like me, as like a, I haven't been a cop for near as long as you have, but for the past, going on a little over four years now, that sounds like you're about to deal with a, a crazy person or someone. Well, sure, yeah, drugs. yeah, you wouldn't, but you yeah. know, I don't know what they're, I'm sure that's what the, the guys, is, uh, that's what the I would that thinking. call was thinking, like, well, this is a 1096, a crazy mm-hmm. guy, yeah, and he's having delusions, probably on meth or something, yeah, yeah, and they get there, and, and it was a real deal, he, all this would really happen to him. He legit was kidnapped and beaten by a a midget hooker and a, and a normal size hooker and her pimp and yeah. her pimp 
That's a, I mean, it's wild, dude. I mean, I, it, you know, a, a newspaper, uh, and they never ended up calling me back, but they wanted to know the same question. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they I guess I was there, and so they wanted to talk to me. Uh-huh. Well, that was a story I was going to tell them, which I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing they didn't call back because that might have been too not G enough for the uh, one of the, the newspaper. newspapers. Well, hmm. I don't know. I think they would have ran with it. That's, it's entertaining. That's pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that's wild, though. Wow. Yeah, so, funny enough, I, I guessed that we're going to, I'm determined to get him on this podcast. I think we both are. We're, we're going to get him on here at some point. He also has a very interesting midget story. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, yes. He, he has a, a more dangerous one yeah. than mine. I mean, it's far, yeah. <laughs> no, you know who I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's, it's legendary. So, we'll get him on here, but. Probably um, the only cop in the country. I would think that it has yeah. experienced that situation with with all the factors you know rolling yeah. into that. Uh, I'm really what I'm curious to do is to get him on here, have him talk about that, and if there is another cop in the country who has ever been in that situation, I would love to know because they've got to be like. Well, we can have him on. We can have that person on our show too. If they, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, we'll call him I mean, up and be like, "Hey, come tell us this." The unicorn. Yeah, it, there's just wild stuff like that. Yeah, do you remember? Um, so there's wild calls like that that are kind of spaced out. Like, not every day something like that happens, but it's it's more often than people think. Do you remember your first call you ever got? Like, like I guess I should specify. So no. I know for those for those in the audience who may not be aware, in the law enforcement world, when you you go through a police academy and you you pass the Texas uh, or you know your state peace officer exam, and you become a licensed peace officer, you get hired by an agency, you pretty much always go through a field training program, which is more or less, would you say, kind of like an apprenticeship almost? Yeah, I mean, it's on-the-job training. I mean, it's really, I want to, the uh, FTO phase is probably more more important than the academy. I mean, the academy is yeah. important for, so you understand the laws and mm-hmm. know that you can you know, do some book work and things, but yeah. as far as the real meat and potatoes of police work, that FTO is, is where it's really at. Someone told me one time, and, and I liked the way they explained it, and I've never forgot it, is they said, the police academy gets you ready for field training, and field training gets you ready to be a cop. Yeah. But, like, you don't come out of the police academy ready to be a cop. No. So. No, you know, in years ago, there wasn't, people didn't have FTO. They, they no. just threw them a set of mm-hmm. keys and said, go get them, cowboy. Yeah. You know, like, and hey, they, like, you're a cop now. Go get the bad guys. Yeah. Which is, I mean, amazing mm-hmm. to me. And now, you know. It is, yeah. But, but I guess, like, to clarify, my, to clarify my question, do you remember the first call you got when you were out of field training, like when you were on your own and they said, you know, Deputy Jones, go go forth and get bad guys. I don't I don't know if I can remember the first call for sure. I can remember, you know, there was a couple of notable ones at the beginning when I was, mm-hmm. uh, didn't know what the hell I was doing, kind of, you know. Yeah, and and yeah, I same. remember, and this speaks to the agency that I worked for, uh, um, shortcomings at the time, sure. but I had, there was a um, death notification and we get these, uh, uh, teletypes from uh, dispatch, especially mm-hmm. back then, they'd print them off. We didn't have computers in the car back then or anything. Yeah. And so I get this death notification, and I had a guy that was seasoned, but he's like, "Well, yeah, you need to go handle that." And I'm like, "Why well, don't know what to do?" Or I didn't know. Yeah. How to, I've never had never done that at that point. Yeah. And I, I and I knew them, uh, mm-hmm. so I go to the door and I ended up that, that I uh, knew them in from the community, oh. not well, but I knew who they were. Yeah. Well, that had to be later. I had the the teletype with me, and I gave it to him. 
which was probably wrong. Well, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, a twenty. It wasn't like a driver's license or a criminal history. Mm-hmm. It was just a telehop saying this had happened because this person mm-hmm. had been killed in a car wreck. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I told them, and I had it in my hand, and, and she was crying, and I'm just like, and I, I gave it to her, and she was like, thank you, and I'm like, well, now I'm like, what yeah. the hell? Like, <laughs> what, what was I doing? You know. So I, I remember. I mean, that's one of the, you know, one of the first uh, mm-hmm. calls on my own that I did, and I totally screwed it up. You know. Everyone does that. Everyone has those those screw-up calls. But that's one of those things where doing a death notification, I think, is one of the hardest things that you're tasked with doing in law enforcement because it sounds easy on paper. It's like, hey, just like the job is to go to these people and inform them that their loved one has passed away. It's like, okay, well, that sounds easy. And then when you come face-to-face with those people, it is not easy. And no, I've never had to do it with anyone that I knew, like, you know, personally so i can't imagine having to do that i think that would make it even more difficult well it's the worst um and even if you don't know them just maybe being on scene and you um i mean there's several things i could talk about there but it's um just that's the worst part to me that's way worse than the gore or or seeing the actual dead bodies or people that have been mangled and shot or shot themselves and all that it's the families Mm -hmm. and the family screams and they holding on to you shaking you and they fall to the ground and i'm sure you've you've seen all that i mean yeah and and that that is the stuff that sets with you and then you just Mm -hmm. you feel for those people you know and and it it it, even if you don't know them Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's somebody you know because you know their emotion. Well, you know, yeah. and you feel that. And you know that just as a fellow human being, like, whenever you're, like, on your way to talk to them, you know that the information that you were about to tell them is more than likely going to be the worst, if not one of the worst things that they have ever heard, ever, like, the worst news they've ever received. And it is gonna, you know it's going to cause them extreme pain and suffering and knowing that you have to be the one to deliver that pain and suffering essentially is rough and and you're right because you can come from like there's a bad car wreck and you've got a dude who's like straight up decapitated in the front seat or whatever and you show up to the wreck and you walk up and like you can like look down this guy's throat like into his guts and it's like well that's gross yeah what's way worse than that though yep. is going to tell his wife that he's not here anymore. yeah yeah, yeah you've seen that you, it, it's it's a uh, I mean, that's a horrible thing to have to experience, mm-hmm. but, I mean, that's yeah. part of our job and, mm-hmm. you know, what we're supposed to do and do the best we can at delivering that type of information, but, yeah. Um, yeah. no, it's something else. Um, yeah. I can talk about the uh, first bodies I saw, if you want me to do that. I mean, Let's that's talk about car, because it, it, remind, it was in that same time period, maybe within the same few days of that death notification that I yeah. did, but I got a call of uh, a possible body in the roadway, hmm. and it was way out in the east part of, well, near that wreck where you were at today, in that area. Really? And uh, they asked me, do you want uh, ambulance and stuff in route, which they should have asked a senior. Well, then the senior, again, the department wasn't that squared away at the time. Sure. The senior deputy didn't didn't say much about it. Uh, other folks didn't. And I'm like, because it was my call, that, well, they were lazy. So they're just like, well, look, Jones handled it. <laughs> yeah. And I remember debating. I remember thinking as I'm driving, I'm like, yeah, you better just go ahead and let them. So I, yeah. I went ahead and had it to, all the resources going around mm-hmm. like it was a yeah, wreck. Roll but, but we didn't know, you know, because a lot of times you get yeah. calls of, of bodies in the roadway and it's something totally different, which is another story you can probably tell. We'll talk about that next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it'd be good. But uh, so I went there and it had been, it was wrecked. Two teenagers had wrecked out. 
it was the first time I'd ever, other than at a funeral, seen a dead body. Yeah. And um, she was uh, further away from the vehicle than the other person. Mm-hmm. And I walked up near her, and you probably understand this, and, and other cops out there will too, or firefighters, anybody yeah. that's in the business. Mm-hmm. I could feel the presence of death. Yes. And yeah. um, I've never felt that before, but I felt it, and I knew, mm-hmm. without even knowing what dead people were like, I knew she was dead, and I felt oh, it. Yeah. And I walked down, because it was kind of a little uh, slope to the mm-hmm. to the guy, yeah. and, and he was still alive, but he was doing that, uh, you know, the noises that people do, like <clears throat> and he was looking, looking dead at me, mm-hmm. and, and that was the last thing he saw, because he died right there in front of me. Really? So that was a hardcore, for your first death, dude, that was... You know, and they were young. I mean, they were teenagers. And to see both of those things, that was huge. You know, Mm -hmm. it was, because that's a hard, like, for your first one, that's a hell of a cherry popper. You know what I mean? It really is. But it, it, uh, it's just like anything else, man. It just sharpens you for your career. I mean, it does. It, it, yeah. it, it, um, I learned from that experience, learned to handle things, and um, you know, just went on from there. But those are those yeah. super, super Ricky Jones. Those are two, two things there that I can remember. But yeah. I never thought about my first ever call. But I, I wish I could remember it. Well, see, the reason I ask is because <clears throat> I, I saw an, I think it was a different cop podcast, or they had a, they had someone who was a, a cop that was a guest on it. But they're asking him that, and he actually remembered his very first one, and. I thought that was interesting, and I, I just so happened to remember my first one because it was really extreme, and it was, it's not a big, long story, but I literally, like, I get hired on at my first agency, and I'm not even, like, fully kitted out yet. Like, I, I don't have a body camera issued to me. Uh, I don't even think I had a radio yet, um, but I was, I had showed up in uniform and everything, but it was, like, policy manual day, so, like... I'm there to sit down and read the agency policy and sign off on it saying I, I understand it and will abide by it. But we take a break at lunch or whatever and they tell me, hey, um, just go ride with this officer and they're just gonna kind of show you around town because I wasn't from the town that I was working in. So like, okay, and getting this, this old Crown Vic and no more than five minutes later, we called to a laundromat because there's a female with a with a gun there who's threatening to kill people oh, yeah. and so go to that and that was like my first ever call we get out of the wow. car and uh this the, our suspect had actually as we rolled up she saw the cop cars coming she walked out of the laundromat still had the pistol in her hand but uh she had it like down below her waist like she had it down like by her thigh and she wasn't actively pointing it at anyone but get out there and yeah like first thing I ever did was drew drew a gun on someone and um, had the old Glock 17 and you know Glocks have that that real mushy Glock trigger so it was adrenaline pumping and scary everything and so like I went ahead and like got my sight picture on her and squeezed the slack out of that trigger and was waiting for her to make some kind of jumpy move and we were yelling at her to to drop the gun and all that she wasn't doing it well she walks over and I kind of you know I'm tracking with her and following her and she walks over to this truck and never I I made up my mind in my head I said if she brings that gun up at all and she if she doesn't just drop it she brings it up I'm pulling this trigger like it's it's happening but she walks over to this truck never points it never brings it up she opens the truck door and goes and just tosses it like under her waist into the seat of the truck and gives herself up but she was literally like I, I don't know so close to being shot like I think if I would have put any more pressure on that trigger yeah we would have shot her and there was four cops there that ended up getting on scene that had guns on her and I think any one of us could have fired those shots and could have taken her down it would have been a justified shoot 
but no one did. Like, none of us wanted to kill her. Well, and, and that's, I think people don't realize um, how many times something like that happens and how mm-hmm. close cops are to shooting somebody, and then they don't because they're just, you know, they're yeah. measured. You know, and sometimes that works out poorly for the cop because mm-hmm. they get killed because they, they waited too long. Yeah. And, yeah, and in a happens. situation like yours, it, it's great that you guys mm-hmm. didn't do that and this woman yeah. lived. And mm-hmm. how did that make you feel? So you're brand new, you know, your first call, and it's yeah. just something super hardcore like that. So I didn't know any better. Like, you're I, like, well, this shit happens every day, man. Yeah. I, thought, I was like, because I knew, like, okay, the possibility of, of something like that happening, as a, to have to respond to that as a cop is a real possibility. Well, it happened, like, day one at lunchtime, and I was like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, I, I guess that's, like, what the job is. I guess that's what we do, which it is what we do, but I thought that was going to be a lot more frequent than it was. Thankfully, we don't, we don't do that every day. We don't have yeah. people. We found out later, actually, interesting side note. This lady had a, a very, very bad problem, still does have a very bad problem with meth. But she had actually gone there that day because she had been fired from the laundromat. She used to work there. She'd been fired recently, and she was actually there to kill her boss. And she went in with a gun and was looking for him, couldn't find him, was asking the other employees where he was, and they were like, he's not here. Well, she's got meth brain, and she gets real agitated, and she ends up pulling the gun out and threatening people saying, you know, you're lying to me, like I know he's here, tell him to come out. Well, this dude, lucky for him, he legit was not there that day. Like he just, yeah, or he would have been. Yeah. Well, hey, she might not have gone gone down as easily had she killed someone, you know, then she would have had nothing to lose. Well, and we actually lucked out too, because on the way there, I'm, you know, the little hamster wheel in my head is is going a thousand miles an hour, but I'm kind of wondering like, okay, so someone has a gun in this laundromat and I'm thinking there's hostages in there and everything, which there would have been if she was yeah. still in there and took hostages, but no, she just walked out and she was pacing back and forth with the gun for a while and then went over to the truck and threw it, but yeah, that could have gone a lot differently, but no, out of four cops who could have made a justified shoot that day, no one pulled the trigger, just, you know, yeah, everyone was giving her every last chance that we could possibly give her to just... Stop it. Did, did it change your outlook on, did it make you want to be a cop more, want to be a cop less, or think, what the you hell know, kind of honestly, city am I working in? <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Like, it was weird. It was, it was terrifying at the time, and that was my first, like, extremely big adrenaline dump. Yeah, it feels and good. And so, yeah, it felt, like, it felt awesome at the time, and then later I found out that, I found out something interesting about myself that day, and that's whenever I would get into, it doesn't happen so much anymore. I think my body is used to it now but whenever I would get in like real adrenaline pumping situations like that I'm like steady as a rock during the situation we're totally good to go and then way later after the situation has been dealt with and that adrenaline starts to wear off my hands would get like real shaky like just with the I don't know what to call it but like my hands and like my feet too like would almost like tremble almost like just from the adrenaline wearing off you've been in some pursuits right right mm-hmm. uh, have, have you yeah. uh, i'm sure you probably reviewed some of your video haven't mm-hmm. you yeah do you notice uh, i noticed my, myself doing this and in, in my beat buddies when i was working the street yeah. um there and, and then i watch i want to watch a lot of youtube mm-hmm. and other uh, uh police type videos just from my own training and stuff yeah, but me too. almost in every police chase video you watch when the chase starts the uh officer the deputy has a little like a little cough or a little clear throat yeah. have you noticed that yeah the, yeah it, I I don't know if you've done that yourself. Well, I, I haven't paid attention to videos I've watched of yours, but it, it, yeah. or maybe I noticed it and I didn't think about it. But. I've done that, and then I've even had that embarrassing moment where, like, my voice cracks because, like, 
all of a sudden stuff goes from like you know like normal everyday average and then it's amped up to a thousand and get on the radio and like my voice cracks or something on the radio and it's real embarrassing but i don't notice it we work with a, we work with a guy who his vo- he, he changes uh, accents <laughs> if he gets excited <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm, yeah 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 he uh oh gosh yeah yeah so i know cops get hate on all the time and made fun of for being racist but be that as it may I know who you're talking about, and I give him a bunch of hell because he's Asian, and so, yeah, he he reverts to, like, a stereotypical Asian accent when he's real amped up, and then what's funny is that he grew up around here in Texas, and so when he's not super amped up, he sounds like real cowboy. Like, well, yeah, he sounds yeah. like a hick. Yeah, like, he sounds he's, like because he's yeah. an Asian dude with a, like a hick, <laughs> yeah. like this hardcore West Texas accent, and then yeah, I mean, and he's yeah. in this wild stuff, and it's it's funny to watch his uh, his body yeah, cam and it's, stuff. It's super funny, yeah, and and he knows like he mm-hmm. he's a good sport about it and everything, but yeah, he's he's super stereotypical hick, like you know. Has has his dip in sounds hick and everything. Well, I guarantee you the people that like when he handles something over the phone, they haven't seen him. They think this is some kind of corn-fed yeah. cowboy, yeah. Know, white dude. I guarantee yeah. you they're thinking I, that. I promise you they think that. Yeah. So it's funny though, but yeah, I, I've noticed that in pursuits and in with other situations where there's little nervous ticks like that that mm-hmm. you know adrenaline shoots up and weird things happen and then it kind of stabilizes <laughs> and then later it, it wears off. But yeah, so it's. It's interesting, but yeah, that that first situation, that that first that first call, if you will, that I ever went on, yeah, it, it gave me a very, it almost like w- kind of warped my perception yeah. of law enforcement at that. first because Cause you're, you know, and then you need that yeah, well, that adrenaline feels good. Yes, it, 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 yeah. it's hard to explain, mm-hmm. but it, it feels like you want it. Well, well yeah, I mean, and you get terms like you know, adrenaline junkie, people who are adrenaline junkies, but cops are definitely adrenaline junkies like there's no doubt because yeah it feels great like yeah and not even just you know obviously uh, having to point your gun at somebody because they've got a gun but it could mm-hmm. be a vehicle pursuit yeah where it could even be it's in, it, I'm gonna put it this way any type of hardcore scene that, that you're yeah. going even in route to or whatever it's just uh and you know sometimes oh, yeah. we're in route to stuff like that and then we get 22 disregarded mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's not exactly what they initially thought it was yes but you're still you get that adrenaline spike on your way and then it just mm-hmm. it, it kind of sucks as a hardcore like just dropping off a cliff you're like oh it didn't yeah it, 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 didn't, happen, it didn't happen you know? yeah 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 it's very um it's a letdown so yeah yeah. It's like being on a date and think things are going to go one way, and then they end up going another. And you're <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> well, one thing I want to circle back to real quick before I forget. So, talking about, uh, y- you mentioned um, calls that come out weird. Well, we were talking about bodies in the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did want to I did want to cover that because it's funny. But you, you went to this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't know if I was the original unit dispatched to it or, or if I was back up, but... We get this call. Um, someone calls our, our 911 dispatch and says that they just they're driving down the highway and they just saw a decapitated, burned body on the side of the road. And well, that's weird. That's one of those where my first thought was like, I think whoever called this in might be mental or maybe they're high or something. But like, there's no way there's yeah, a, exactly. there's a decapitated, no burned body on the side of the highway in in our county. Well. We go out to canvas this area and and check it out. Sure enough, it appears to me as I drive by that there is in fact a, I can't tell if it's a a burned decapitated body, there does appear to be a naked body on the side of the road. And 
walk over there and it's like off the off the shoulder where there's like a little um rest stop for truckers and so there's a bunch of there's like a line of dumpsters and it looks like there's a, a body next to these dumpsters walk up to it and uh as i get closer i can tell a couple things i can tell one this is not a, a burned body two it is decapitated three not human but it looks human and long story short it turns out to be a very advanced very hyper realistic sex doll and it had no head and <laughs> we we don't know how it got there my assumption is that a uh, maybe the head was the best part of it and then, then the guy that well, only kept that and just got rid of the rest of it well here's the thing so okay so it has no head and we're, we're kind of wondering well do we really have a criminal offense here no I mean maybe maybe some littering maybe but there's a dumpster right here, so we'll just throw it in the dumpster. Well, um, my my shift my shift partner at, at the time he gets there and walks up, and he pretty quickly grasps like what what we have found, and uh, yeah, he he's laughing, I'm laughing, and um, we're like, well, let's just throw it in this dumpster nearby. Well, I go to pick it up, and it's slimy. <laughs> like it's slick and so I grabbed this this dummy basically did you have like, your gloves on at least? yes I did put my gloves on what I should have done is I should have put like the disposable rubber gloves I put my actual patrol gloves on so I wish I would not have done that because they got slick with something and I don't really want to know what it was but I grabbed this dummy around the arms and I'm like trying to pick it up and I find out that the weight of this dummy is very realistic like it probably weighs like like 90 to 100 pounds like it's it's a very realistic um toy here and so i'm trying to pick it up but it's like sliding out from under me and it's just getting this nasty shit all over my uniform and uh so my my friend here is is dying laughing at me but he he agrees he he gets the ankles and i get the the dummy by the wrists and we just give this lady the old heave ho into the dumpster but uh yeah it was nasty and then we we we're puzzled as to like where the head was and by this time um the shift sergeant has arrived on scene and is wondering what what is going on and uh so it gets explained to him like what we just did and uh we decide you know what we're gonna we're gonna keep getting repeat calls on this on this sex doll if we don't like conceal it because we just threw this this sex doll, this headless sex doll in a dumpster. Like, I guarantee you, the next trucker that comes through here is going to go throw something away and they're going to look in there. We're going to get another call about a body in a dumpster now, whatever. So we decided to give the, the sex doll some dignity. We found in the in the ditch nearby, someone threw an, an old blanket out the window. Well, we got the blanket and we, we covered her up and, <laughs> you know, gave her last rites. Also in the ditch, I find the head. Oh. Yeah, so... Had he, he thrown it out? Well, he could have thrown it out when he was moving, right? It was too heavy. I don't know. It was pretty heavy, and so I don't know how he did it. But I found the head and go up and, like, well, I'm already nasty, so I'm going to pick up the head, too, and I'll throw it away. Well, then I get this good idea, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk it over to Sarge and show it to him and freak him out. So I, I grab the head by the hair and pick it up, and... I, I don't want to venture to say what it was, but some fluids, like, leak out of the throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. some, some very um, creamy fluids. Yeah. So that was gross. Well, she had one last for all before. Yeah, yeah, she, she definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I walk over to, so my sergeant is sitting in his, in his patrol unit, and I, I walk up to him, you know, of course I hold this thing up, and it's still dripping stuff, and I'm like, Sarge, look at what I found, and he's like, you know, like, get that shit away from me. Like, <laughs> so I take it back over, and we, we put the head with the body and, and cover it up and everything. But, yeah, and the whole time this is going on, about the same time that me and my partner actually pick the dummy up to, to throw it in the dumpster, there is now like an audience forming on the side of the road because people are driving by and it looks like these cops are out like with a body on the ground and whoa and so people are stopping and like you can see people parked on the other side of the highway with their phones out and <laughs> you know they're definitely putting that on snapchat and we're probably on youtube somewhere but uh yeah at this point like there's quite the audience and everything and people are, are dying laughing on the, on the other side of the highway but yeah they got to see us uh disposed of this very well-used sex doll and I still think to this day that whoever whoever left it out there is probably some kind of psycho like probably had this thing for a while and had this demented train of thought like I'm going to decapitate this this doll and throw her out had it snapped off or did he like sever it somehow I I couldn't tell I couldn't tell like I I don't know how but like it was it was a well-made sex doll like it had she had like a like a metal and like hardened plastic skeleton and so I don't know like I feel like you would have had to cut the rubber skin and everything off but you would have had to like actually break if you will the neck to get the head off but that's what happened and so yeah and it's weird like we know that you know he, he couldn't have just like thrown her out of the truck and kept going over and like it snapped her head off because her head was like way farther away than her body was so I'm tempted to say that like the body, like the head, got chunked out, and then the body got chunked out. But I don't know. It was super weird. So, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, it's probably he's probably some kind of suspect, and he's a serial killer across <laughs> the United States, running the interstates. You yeah, know? that's what I think. That's I think that's that was my, his first victim. I think that's my my closest brush with a serial killer so far. So, yeah, yeah, but that was interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't know. You go from like. Bad car accident, having a death notification to, you can go to a, a domestic scene, a fight, whatever. You can go to picking up a sex doll on the side of the road. Yeah. You can go to dealing with a crazy old lady. Like it, it's a wild. Job. Well, it's a diversity. Yeah, it's yeah. And, and that makes it. It doesn't get old. I mean, I still like it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's BS yeah. to the job. Um, yeah, and there always has been, but mm-hmm. um, always will be. It's it's the the you don't know what even me that I'm in the office more now. Mm-hmm. Still, I don't know exactly what I'm be getting into every day, and then when I go yeah. help the street or something bigger happens, I get to go out and help. Mm-hmm. It's it's that unknown that that draws you, keeps you coming back for more because yeah. it's like I don't know watching some popular Netflix mm-hmm. series and you don't want the next it's, next episode is yeah. going to be. That's mm-hmm. kind of what law enforcement is like. It's very much like that. Yeah, like every day is a new episode, and you get to be part of it, and that's not to trivialize it but that's kind of what it feels like and it's cool it's fun um but yeah and i think that combined with like the almost like i don't want to call it like an addiction to adrenaline but you definitely i think the longer you do it you might get used to like those adrenaline dumps from like those high speed situations like let's say you're in a pursuit like i feel way different getting into a pursuit now than i did the first couple i got into um I think you just get better at handling it, though. I mean, you get better at handling it. You just, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you, you you focus on your breathing and you mm-hmm. think about, but the um, and the experience is just the same as it was the first time you did it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, 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 uh, it hits. Yeah, yeah. You get better at hand- that's a good way to phrase it. Like you get better at handling it, 
but yeah, you're, you're always chasing it. Like you kind of like yeah. find yourself like, man, it'd be cool if we got into a pursuit today because that's fun. Well, isn't it, isn't it crazy? You're like, uh, and they pay me to do this. Now, and sometimes yeah. they, they need to pay me to be there because it sucks. But oh, yeah. other yeah. times I'm like, <laughs> man, I can't believe they pay me to do this job because mm-hmm. it's freaking fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I like to get paid to deal with crazy ladies and, you know, try and help people out whenever their stuff gets stolen or whatever. But whenever it's like, hey, we want you to, you know, drive cars real fast and, I don't know, fight some dude or do something that's super high intensity and and fun. I, like, why? Yeah. Getting paid for it is the best thing in the world. Like, Well, I think something that, uh, and you'll know what I think people should know is that, I've, I mean, I've, and I'm sure yeah, you may have too, I'm sure there's cops out there that have. Mm-hmm. I've been in car chases with people and we took this dude over because our interview room wasn't working, so we took him over to the PD yeah. and interviewed him after the chase. He's in a stolen car, had a stolen gun, and I actually mm-hmm. pulled up, I was just covering a call for the city mm-hmm. and uh, walked up there and it was just nonchalant. I was a little bit... Um, wasn't, I don't know, on point as it should have yeah. been, but the dude, because I figured it was some BS call, you know, mm-hmm. like, we do get too complacent is what I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's... So the dude yeah. backs up and hauls ass, and I get in this wild-ass chase with him, mm-hmm. uh, but walking back for after this chase, and I ended up kind of pitting him, and the car caught on fire and all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, walking back, because it was our departments were kind of across the street from each other, yeah. walking back uh, with him to the to the jail... It was almost like you and I, like partners, were talking. I'm like, because he was like, bro. He goes, I could have if I hadn't had that extra long expedition, I could have outmaneuvered and got away. I'm like, you aren't getting away from me, man. I was on your ass the whole time. Yeah. But like he wasn't mad at me, and we were talking almost like we were we were. I don't want to say partners. That's yeah. too strong of a well, word, but but we weren't. We damn sure weren't enemies. You know what I mean? I mean, I had a yeah. job to do. Mm-hmm. He knew what he'd done was wrong, right? He stole. Yeah. He had. He was on meth. He stole his car. He stole the shit. Mm-hmm. But it, it was. We talked about the pursuit, like we were just two cops at the. You yeah. know, uh, taking a coffee break afterwards or something. I've you know, but it was different perspectives of it because mm-hmm. you know. But he was bragging about how yeah. the vehicle had been so long. Mm-hmm. He would have been able to maneuver and got away from me. But yeah, I think that's something people don't realize. I guarantee a lot of cops do that, and we're not. Yeah. I didn't want to. You know, punch him in the face. I just. Yeah. You know, well, exactly. hey, you got to go to jail. This is business my job and he was cool with it yeah well it's kind of like you said earlier like kind of when we started talking like a lot of the people that we end up dealing with who are committing crimes they're you know they're bad guys or they're just making a poor decision or whatever like we're not really mad at them no like it's it's not like oh man like i'm gonna catch this guy and, and wring his neck or whatever it's like I'm, I'm gonna capture you because that's my job but like afterward it's exactly that it's like it's almost like you just like i don't know play football against each other and you're talking about the game almost like, yeah yeah like uh, somebody from the opposing team yes sure yeah, yeah. yeah and that's and i would say that's even these these crooks that we deal with all the time or even crooks mm-hmm. that are coming through on the highway yeah i'd say 80 90 percent of them mm-hmm. have that attitude i mean there, there's a yeah you know 10 to 20 percent we'll call it 15 percent that mm-hmm. just you know are like fuck y'all i hate you <laughs> yeah. but most of them realize they've done something wrong mm-hmm. they realize what it is right and they realize yeah. what your job is and they're not mad at you for doing it yeah well, most it's of nothing the, personal yeah, yeah. With, with my and I, we both dealt with people that that you know are pissed off and they hate us because we're doing our job but most of them even the criminal element yeah. is is not like that they're no. you know, most of them are pretty no. cool after it's yeah. over with yeah well like you will get those ones who and we both dealt with them where you know, you can be super cool with them, and, you know, they, they run, they get caught, or you fight, you know, they lose, whatever, and then you're super cool with them, but they're still like, oh, like, I'm, I'm going to find you, and I'm, I'm going to kill your family, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, okay, whatever, dude, like, well, yeah, like, you're just <laughs> done, you just blow it off, and you can go yeah, on, like, you know, it is what it is, 
but yeah, most, the vast majority of, of criminals, I guess I would say that we deal with, at least in our area, like they're, a lot of them treat their, their crimes almost like a business. I mean, like, so that's a consequence. Well, they understand the, the, um, the, How the you know, the fact that they can get in trouble. Yeah. They understand yeah. that the risk, I guess I'd say, yeah. you know, the, yeah. that they're going to potentially get arrested and stuff. And so they just mm-hmm. know what's, that yeah. is what it is. And, and most mm-hmm. of them, vast majority of them are cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the sense yeah. of, well, like I've had people that like, so like in my role now, like, so I'm, I'm doing, um, kind of the, I'm in the detective role now, but I'll do like interviews and interrogations with people where, you know, they know they messed up. I know they messed up, and and we're talking. But like, it's it's pretty casual conversation. Surprisingly, like it's kind of just like, well, you know, like you got me. But like, man, like did, like when did you know? You know, like they'll ask me that. Like, did you know? Like, like, like they they want to know how I found out or whatever, and and they're just kind of curious. Like, I, I guess I think some of that so they can do it better next time, and some of it's I think because they're they're just genuinely. It's eaten out. I'm like, man. I, well, I think right. they have a little bit overinflated version of themselves. I think they think they're able yeah. to outsmart you, or that no, nobody's yeah. going to know what they're doing. And you get yeah. in there, and they're kind of like blown away, like, oh, well, hell, he, yeah, he really does realize what I'm. A lot of people think that they are not going to get caught, and it, it's kind of funny too, because a lot of people that I'll talk to in that in this role, like, they think that they're either never going to get caught, or they think that if they do get caught, then they're going to be able to fool us somehow. And that's generally not the case. Does it happen sometimes? Yeah, if you don't have enough information to go off of, then okay, maybe someone's going to lie to your face and you're never going to know. But more often than not, that people just are not as crafty as they think they are. You know who is uh, more kind of shitty to us? It's funny as the family members. I mean, yeah. you might have so you might have somebody's son <laughs> yeah. that's totally like, hey, you know, you busted me, I get it. And then Mama shows up on scene because he called oh, her because he's a little baby. Yes. And he texts his mama. Well, she shows up and she's pissed at you. And the kids, I yeah. think, kid, you know, the adult, young adult, yeah. Yeah. is is like yeah. understands that the, what happened. But then mm-hmm. Mama's over there running her mouth. Yeah. Well, that happens a lot. Yeah, you'll have this like twenty-seven-year-old man who mm-hmm. lives with mom and she pays for his bills and he doesn't have a job and there's nothing wrong with him like he's not disabled or anything but he just doesn't work he chills at home and smokes weed all day but yeah you pull him over and that's the first thing he does is call mom and you know she comes out there pissed at you yeah she's like, more pissed <laughs> not pissed at her son and more <laughs> pissed at you than her son is who's who's the one that's actually in trouble listen lady like he's the one going 50 in a school zone like that, that probably goes into more of why the kid's such a shithead in the first mm-hmm. place is because his mama been coddling her whole yeah. life his whole life and yeah um, you, you can definitely see what what tree the apple falls from so yeah yeah it's it's an interesting world but yeah dealing with the uh the criminal element i think is not what a lot of people would expect it to be no um and now sometimes it is like like i said you get those people who are very much like the the bad guy you would see on a tv show but most of them are not like that like when people have such a uh uh the wrong idea, misrepresentation of what we do. I remember I uh, um, yeah. there was some guy that I'd stopped and and uh, you know I'd work, I used to kind of work highway on the di- uh, interdiction on the highway and I had him in passenger seat and was talking to him and stuff and um, I could tell he just wasn't happy with what was going on and I could mm-hmm. tell he wasn't doing anything wrong and I was just finishing up my I was giving him a warning and um, mm-hmm. he said he said something you know was kind of negative towards law enforcement or, or about how we did our job. Yeah. And I said hey uh, so you ever driven by any um, like 
like houses that are under construction, and he was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, so like when they're framing a house and stuff, you ever like see him framing one and kind of building it and seeing mm-hmm. how it, he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, did you ever get out and go tell them like, hey, you're doing this wrong or, or why are you doing that? <laughs> he's like, well, no. I'm like, why not? He's like, well, I don't know anything about framing houses. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you know anything about law enforcement or police work? And he was like. <laughs> and he did yeah. that like and he wasn't yeah. and that dude and that was a real risk and I'm not saying that's a, any new cops or I'm not saying yeah. that's a perfect way like thing to yeah, conduct a traffic right. stop but mm-hmm. yeah. um, he was like yeah, and he's like, I like, I get like mm-hmm. point made, you know. Yeah. He, he wasn't mad at me, and that wasn't like too over the line for yeah. me or anything. But mm-hmm. I'll never forget that and, and that story. And I don't know, it just popped into my head just how Jones thinks. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. did that whole thing about framing a house, and it it brought him around though because he had no idea where <laughs> well, I was going. And then it hit him with the like, oh, okay, it's where this dude's little sawed off bald dude's going. Well, it's it's a good analogy. I mean, it does make sense. So, yeah, no, that's good though because. I mean, it makes a good point. Like, but, but a lot of people are like that. They think yeah. that they know because they watch something on YouTube or, or, you know, even on the detective side, these, mm-hmm. these detective shows, yeah. everybody's beautiful and got plenty of sleep and they don't have any stress, you know. Yeah. They, they bring somebody in an interview room and they just confess. Yeah. Well, it's not that, most of the time, it's not that easy. I, I wish it was that easy. Like, it, golly, it'd be a lot better for everyone if it, if it was, but... No, it's, it's much more complicated. Well, I think there's people who, like, they don't really understand the job that law enforcement is tasked with and the rules and regulations law enforcement has to abide by to get that yeah. job done. Oh, yeah. Dude, they're, they're, they're kicking doors mm-hmm. with no warrants on every episode oh, yeah. of any cop show ever on TV. They don't oh, have a warrant. Yeah. They just yeah. boot the door and they go in. You know, violate well, people's like, rights. People think that. Probably, like, every, like, cop hater I see on the Internet, like, one of the most common phrases I'll see is, like, the phrase, for no reason. Like, oh, this cop, like, pulled this guy over for no reason. Or, like, this cop tased this guy for no reason they're arresting this guy for no reason and like I think the situations where a cop is doing something to someone for no reason are very few and far between like there's usually there's pretty much always a reason and it's overwhelmingly an overwhelming amount of time it's a very good reason well yeah I don't think there's ever a time where guys just like walk into his mailbox outside a cop pulls up and tases him yeah now, no, there, no. there could be an instance where a cop you know um Perhaps you know goes to his taser too soon, sure, and, yeah. and, and tases a guy. But there's still a reason for that initial contact. Mm-hmm. Again, dude's not just walking to the mailbox to to go, you know, yeah. see what mail he has, and then the cop just pulls up <laughs> and freaking tases him for no yep. reason. There there was something that led to that, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't the best decision in the world by the cop. Yeah, it's still we just don't pull up to random people and tase them no. like without even having no. some interaction yeah. with them. Yeah, so I see that all the time. Like, oh, cops did this for no reason. I'm like, well, now I bet you if you like. I don't know, made an open records request to this agency and, like, got a copy of that report and looked into, like, why this happened. Yeah, he just, yeah. dude wasn't going to his mailbox. Yeah, you know? no, no, was, probably not. Yeah, like, it is it's definitely something else. But, yeah, I think you get that, and then you get people, too, who, I think a lot of people that like to talk crap on law enforcement, they'll see, like, a, a body cam video or something where, now, admittedly, maybe, you know, you can't defend cops 100% of the time because well, sure, you know, yeah. we're human, but you'll get people who really attack someone, and maybe they did do something a little a little wrong on a body cam video, not morally wrong or anything, but like you said, maybe they pulled their taser too early, or maybe, maybe they could have tried another option or something, but you'll get these people online almost always that um, are like, well, I would have done this, or I would have done that, or this cop didn't do a good job, like, obviously he should have done this. Now, like, most of these people who make those comments, like, uh, you probably wouldn't have done anything is well, yeah. what's more likely. Like, probably would, either would have, like, run 
or froze or well, you know, if they made wanted, the same mistake this guy did. If they think they can do it so good, well, they should go to the academy yeah. and, 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 you know, like if they really have that much of an interest, we'll go to the academy and affect the changes you talk about so much and, yeah. and see what it's really like. Yeah, well, and like, and I say that like, it's almost like a, a jab to these people, but at the same time, part of me is like, genuinely like, hey, like, for real, like, no, like, all ego aside and everything, if you legitimately think that there's a better way to do this and you can do it better and you can make a change and maybe other cops would see that and be like, man, this guy does great work. Like, you know, he came out of nowhere and he's doing a great job. He's killing it. We want to be more like him. Like, then go do it. Like, you're not doing yourself or anyone else a service by complaining about what a real cop did in a real situation whenever you are willing to potentially put yourself in that same type of situation. Well, I think our job is, uh, law enforcement job is unique because you have all these eyes and everybody looking at um, uh, the mistakes that, mm -hmm. and there is cops out there that make mistakes and sometimes yeah. very bad ones, you know, yeah. that, that you know, don't need to be cops, but mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I, it's, and the, the number's real wild for, in the medical field as far as, it's between 40 and I think 90,000, uh, I don't know if it's malpractice or deaths or I'd have to like research that again. There, there's a time when I could quote you exactly what it was, yeah. but... You don't see that put on the news every day because the mm -hmm. doctor screwed up and, and clipped something, you know, yeah. thought something was this and clipped it, and it turned out not to be that, and he, he kills this dude. Yeah. That's well, never on the news, and <laughs> it happens, right? But then yeah. people don't talk about that. People don't mm -hmm. talk about, you know, other professions where these guys are, are making mistakes or shouldn't be in the profession. Yeah. It's just, you know, law enforcement has that spotlight, whereas others don't. And we should be held to a higher standard. Of course. But you're, you're not, you, you compare the medical field, mm -hmm. who I think should be a uh, higher standard too, and you're not yeah. seeing the same thing, and there's a lot of issues there. I think everybody yeah. probably has this, knows somebody that has issues with the medical field where there's been mistakes. Exactly, and that's a good analogy too, because I think that like, for me personally, whenever I hear about like, oh, hey, this guy went in for a, a heart transplant, and the doctor made a mistake, he did something wrong, and, and the guy died. Okay, well, like for me, it's easy to attribute that to, well, this doctor clearly has a very complex job with a lot of moving parts and things to consider and the margin for error is extremely high. And I think that's why sometimes a lot of stuff in the medical field gets brushed aside or it's not on the news because people are like, well, it's understandable, like the margin for error is extremely high, like accidents happen. But I think there's a good argument to be made that a lot of situations that a cop might get into, or I don't know if you can say it's exactly equal, but there's also a lot of moving parts in a, in a police situation and the margin for error is very high because you don't know what you're dealing with really. I mean, you see a guy who, I don't know, ran a stop sign or whatever and you go to pull him over just to make sure that he's not, you know, that he's within his, his uh, capacity to drive safely and little do you know that, you know, he just had a, a horrible, awful fight over child custody with his wife and he's suicidal and he's ready to end it all right there. and you're just checking on him to make sure he's safe to drive because you just saw him run a stop sign, but he's about ready to get into a gunfight with you and you have no idea. You know, if you knew that, maybe you would approach that situation a little differently, but you're going to find that out whenever you get up to the window, you know, and so, so many things can go wrong and it's like, well, I'm not saying that errors should happen, but I'm saying that it's understandable sometimes that they do happen. It's like... What do you think about like if a um, the news media or even in court? What if they could only play the? You could ask somebody that's not a cop this thing. Be like, well, no, they need to play the video. What if they could only play the video one time? So some officer yeah. involved shooting or some craziness happens, right? Mm -hmm. Play it one time for the jury. Yeah. And you can't slow it down. You can't stop yeah. it. You can't. You just mm -hmm. play it. 
And people be like, well, that's crazy because you need to slow it down. You need to watch it so we can gather everything that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. But you know what? The cop needed to slow it down or he got to yeah. play it once and yeah. make decisions like that. Well, yeah. But because they don't ever do that in court, they'll slow stuff down and they, they talk yeah. about it and they dissect this video, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, but that's good. Yeah. We don't have that ability to as far as in the moment because it's happening like this and we're making split second decisions. Yeah. Well, there's also a, there's a tremendous difference, too, between watching something happen and unfold real quick on a video and then being the person who's actually seeing that happen in front of you where in the video you see like oh yeah you can see right there this dude pulled a gun on this guy but if you're the guy getting the gun pulled on him like you're not thinking about anything else at that moment. Hey, and cops, are, cops are just as bad at that shit as, as, <laughs> as the regular, I don't know, newscaster on yes. a news channel, whatever. Yeah. Cops oh, sit yeah. around the squad room, yeah. and they talk shit about how somebody handles something. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? They yeah. also know the answer, and they know the outcome. Whereas that shift, mm-hmm. you know, not maybe day shift comes in, it's like, well, not shift, you know, they yeah. did this, didn't handle this right, or, you know, should have known there was mm-hmm. dope in this car. Well, yeah, because you know the end result, but, yeah. you know, that, that crew out that night didn't. Mm-hmm. Didn't, and I'll say too, though, you're right, like, cops can be, like, the worst piggybacks, Monday morning quarterbacks, I guess, on other cops, but it's kind of the exact same thing as as the keyboard warriors on the internet, where a cop can be like, well, I would have done this, or I would have done that, it's like, okay, well, that may very well be, but you weren't there at the time, like, you weren't. You weren't this guy in these boots at this time dealing with this situation. So who's to say what you would have done? Maybe you would have done this. Maybe you would have done that. Maybe you would have done exactly what this guy did. And and I'll say it is hard not to get, you see, you get caught. It's hard not to get caught up in that. And I don't think we're like shit talkers like that, but it is hard not to get caught up in a conversation about how somebody should have handled something mm-hmm. when because we like to talk about cop things and, and how stuff should be done but you have to be careful not to get yourself going too far where you're like hey I wasn't there so bro I don't know you know <laughs> yeah. what indicators that dude was throwing off about his car you know that may have mm-hmm. you yeah. know the next county over got stopped and there's four keys of meth in there or something yeah well I think that's what so amongst cops just people who work in law enforcement I think you realize like the longer you're in that um, the phrase there, there's more than one way to skin a cat comes yeah. to mind where it's like okay like what's our what's our objective here like we you know if you're a cop and you're in a high drug area and you see some you see a car pull up to a house someone comes out of the house and they hand a brown paper bag to a guy and they drive off real quick well that's a little suspicious so you uh, make a traffic stop and everything and your you're kind of your objective is to figure out if there's illegal activity going on here and if so address it but there's so many different ways you can do that. There's, you can do, uh, you can even take like the same set of steps as another cop would, but you can do it in a different order for whatever reason. You, you know, the objective is to deter the criminal activity and enforce the law, but there's a myriad of ways that you can go about that. And none of them are necessarily wrong. Some might be better than others, but as long as you're getting the job done, you know, it's hard to criticize that. That's it's funny you say that. It reminded me. It's, we we we're talking here. It reminds mm-hmm. us one another of different stories. But <laughs> yeah. a few months ago, me and a guy we work with were coming back from lunch. Yeah. And um, we looked and um, these two uh, doper looking people, honestly, mm-hmm. and one of them I know was like, oh, she, yeah. she's she's a hardcore crackhead or meth head, really. Yeah. Well, I see what what I see is this hand to hand exchange. And uh, I'm like, bro, like, freaking hit, bust to you. We're going to get, like, yeah. we're cops again because we're both office pukes, me and this guy, you know, in the office <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I'm like, so I kept eyes on him. We, we, he busted to you because I was in the passenger. He was driving. Mm-hmm. Jumped out, made a, you know, uh, contact with him, pedestrian yeah. contact. Mm-hmm. And they're talking. And she, nothing changed. I mean, their hands are here, so they didn't go anywhere else. Yeah. She's got it in her hand. I'm like, all right, we're going to have a few grams of meth. Mm-hmm. 
She's like, she was giving me some quarters for the laundromat up here. And in my mind, I'm like, that ah, bullshit. She's yeah, not doing that. I'm like, <laughs> That's a good I'm, like, I'm like, open up your hand. I call her by name. I know. I'm like, open up your hand. And she, there's freaking quarters in there. Really? And I'm like, <laughs> what? And I told her, I'm like, I'm sorry. And I explained to her because I want them mm-hmm. to understand that, hey, yeah. just because of who you are, which that, that there's something to <laughs> that. Factors into it. Like, but it's not, that's not the only reason. I mean, here's what I saw. Yeah. And she was like. Okay, like she understood it, and she she was like, okay, you know, that's, that's yeah, like I get it. I'm like, that's well, like you're you're yeah. in the area that you're in. <clears throat> you guys are who you are, and then I yeah. see this exchange, and it's, it's just, and she was mm-hmm. like, okay, and it, well, but yeah, it was it was these quarters for this, and they were yeah. just walking distance of this laundromat. Well, and stuff like that. Like I'm sure there's probably a high likelihood. This is me making an assumption, but there's probably a high likelihood that she might have left that situation and still told her friends. Oh, these cops like were harassing me for no reason, but the fact that you took the time to stop and explain the reason to her, like, hey, well, like I'm not here to harass you. Yeah. yeah, like we're not here to harass you or out to get you or anything, but you know, due to the nature of my work and what I do and everything, what I just observed occur here, and me having dealt with you in the past, you know, I'm, it's reasonable for me to believe that maybe there's something shady going well, on. Well, she probably had eight ball in her purse or something, but I didn't start probably. after that. You know, I ended it. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, I, I spoke yeah. with her, and then um, I, because I knew who they were, I checked mm-hmm. it on the radio for warrants, you know, because, yeah. of, but other than that, I, I ended the contact because at that yeah. point, my PC was gone. Of course, it was consensual, I mean, of course, anyway, yeah. but she didn't. I just, I ended it there because I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to mess with these well, people just, anymore. It's you doing your job, too, because that's what, that's what our taxpayer dollars pay for us to do is to stop and deter crime in the community and I think based on that set of circumstances that's what you intended to do and I think it was very reasonable for you to do that like for any cop to make that call but I mean sometimes it, I guess the excuse checks out so yeah and when it does cool like be on your way yeah I mean and they were and I was you know more yeah. power to them go wash your clothes and you know yeah, what like, you're gonna do yeah. with the laundromat have a great day like yeah that's it's an interesting job. It's I love it. It's it's a lot of fun, but you just don't know what you're gonna get. So. What's what's the um, uh, scariest uh, you've been? Oh gosh. Hmm. Let's see. Well, you know. Okay. One incident that that I think we can probably both discuss because we were both there is there's certain instances that I've had in my career so far where I wasn't per se like super scared, like terrified in the moment. But I ended up getting like a real eerie feeling like towards the end or afterward. And it was this situation we dealt with recently. We had that SWAT call out. Um, for those who weren't there, we we had a uh, report of a guy who had possibly, his, his wife basically contacted authorities and said, hey, this morning I had an argument with my husband and uh, he pointed a gun at me and he threatened to kill me. So I left the house and as I was leaving, he said he was gonna kill himself and I left. And so we went to the house to check on this guy and um, long story short, um, a lot of circumstances kind of unfold where um, SWAT ends up getting deployed and uh, we can't make contact with the guy and we're, we're concerned that he might have actually uh, killed or, or seriously harmed himself in the house, he might need help. Well, the decisions made to go in there and we, we went in through the garage area and we cleared it and everything and I think we were well, I know now we were getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but we were all in the zone at the moment. But long story short, I was in that garage for oh, for man. a long time, like probably an hour or so. And uh, little did we know that he's actually hiding in the attic above us, and he has a gun. So yeah, you know, I didn't know where you're going at first because there's been two situations up there, but that one, oh, yes, now yes, I know yeah, yeah. Well, this one, 
that was something like where afterwards, like whenever I realized that and like the adrenaline wore off from that one, I'm like, that was an eerie feeling. Well, yeah, he could have shot through yeah. the ceiling and killed us all. That dude could have killed, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much ammo he had, but he could have done some serious damage and definitely killed one or two of us for sure. Luckily, he, you know, he didn't want it to go that route. We didn't want it to go that route. But uh, it was, uh, and, you know, I learned a lot. Um, I always learn something after every call, mm-hmm. but I learned a lot about my, my personal tactics, I guess, if you will, dealing with that situation. So I'll apply that in the future. But that was a, a weird thing that gave me kind of the heebie-jeebies where I did not like the the feeling that, I don't know, like, uh, like the only reason I'm not dead is because he didn't pull the trigger. Because he chose not to. Yeah. yeah. When mm-hmm. the, the situation like that, the longer they go, at least I'll speak for myself anyway. Yeah. The longer that they go, the more complacent that I get. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that we get. I don't know about you in particular, but I'm just same. law yeah. enforcement. I mean, because you're there longer. And then, mm-hmm. of course, that one had a lot of other caveats to it, as far as some other things that kind of forced us to having yeah. to ha- having to go in there a little bit sooner because some other things mm-hmm. are going on with that deal. But um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, you, you sit around and you and the longer you wait, and a lot of times we have to and we need to sit back and wait, but yeah. I think we get more complacent. Just like, you know, uh, maybe walking in, in front, not directly, but, you know, at a distance, but still walking in front of a window or, mm-hmm. or not oh, maintaining yeah. cover mm-hmm. behind your vehicle, you know, you get to, yeah. you just start to get loose when you, you operate. Well, because when you've been covering, like, like in a, in a standoff type situation or something like that, even if you're just on perimeter duty or whatever, if you've been covering the same position for five hours and nothing has happened in five hours, yeah, you're just, you, at that point, you kind of are just, I mean, you want to be on your phone, but if you're a professional, you're not, and you're still, you're maintaining watch, but like, you do get lax, and you start to daydream, and you know, you're not really thinking about maintaining security anymore. When you start to think, well, maybe he's not in the house, Yeah. he's not going to do anything, mm-hmm. uh, maybe he's in there dead, maybe he already yeah. killed himself, I mean, all these thoughts of, yeah. there's no threat anymore, start, at least for me, start mm-hmm. entering my head, which I know yeah. better, but you still, they creep in, and then you yeah. become complacent. Yes. And you're tired, you're cold, you're hot, whatever the, mm-hmm. the weather is at the time. It, oh, yeah. Getting it hungry. wears on you, you know. And yep. you have to be very careful to in, in a command capacity yeah. not to make decisions based off that to send people in too early yeah. because I don't want to see it, but you're bored with the situation or something, mm-hmm. you know, or you're just ready to get it over mm-hmm. with because that can become very dangerous, you know. Oh, yeah. Time's on our yeah. side, but it, you have to be careful to remember that. Yeah. Well, and like... Yeah, if you get complacent, you'll get yourself into a uh, into a tactical situation where, if you were fresh on the scene and you just got there, you would perhaps handle it far more. Uh, you would have superior strategery, uh, as as President Bush said. <laughs> but uh, I think it was strategery was his word. I always like that. Internet's but, too. Internet. Plural. Yeah, yeah. Internet was good. But see, if you're if you're fresh on the scene and you're going in there, like your strategery might be better. Um, whereas if you've been there for several hours, then maybe your strategy is, is lacking a little bit because you, know, you don't clear that corner or you don't check the spot or whatever. You don't think he's here anymore. But who knows? Maybe he is and maybe you get blasted because you're not paying attention. So yeah. it's super dangerous, super high speed. But, yeah, well, that's, that's a good point. Complacency kills for sure. It does. My, my uh, curious is uh, it probably surprise you and probably a lot of people. Yeah. A blizzard 
<clears throat> and being out on the highway, oh. literally, bro, I couldn't see past my hood. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where the road was at, if I was in it, if I was in the wrong lane. Yeah. And I was afraid to go to the call. And there was a fire truck in front of me, yeah. which I couldn't see anymore. And, I, I, and then I would speed up. Yeah. So I, there was times, literally, I couldn't see across my hood, but there were other times I could see a couple of feet in front of me, and I could mm-hmm. see that red fire truck. And I was trying yeah. to stay super, and I also thought this kind of fucked up, but I was like, well, if we're in the wrong lane or something happens... The car heads on to that fire truck. It's not going to hurt them, and I'm going to be protected. Yeah, so I like tried I to, to try to get on that fire truck's ass as much as I could, but literally, bro, we couldn't. Yeah, I didn't know where I was at, and I did not want to go to that call. I was afraid to go to it. I know that's a yeah probably what people wouldn't expect, but I was I was well, terrified driving my patrol unit mm-hmm. with zero visibility in a blizzard. So that story you just heard reminds me. So I had almost the exact same thing, except we had a dust storm. And it was the same thing, though. We, we got a call that there was a uh, vehicle rollover um, on, you know, north of our city. And uh, going out there, the dust was so bad. Like, it was like what I, what I picture, like, my great-grandma talking about the dust bubble. Like, you couldn't see past the hood of your, of your truck. But I go out there, and I'm trying to find where this vehicle rolled over and all we know is that it supposedly went into a ditch somewhere in that area but the person who called it in didn't stick around like they called in saying like hey it looks like a vehicle rolled over in the ditch but like i don't know anything else so i'm like rolling through this ditch like super slow and i can barely see but i was scared that if in vehicle rollovers a lot of times when people don't wear their seat belts they get ejected and i remember thinking that I was going super slow and I was straining to see because I didn't want someone to be ejected from that vehicle and be in the ditch and for me to run over them. And so super slow rolled it and I eventually found the vehicle and uh, the dust was so bad that I remember getting out of my truck, going up to the vehicle and like I could barely see like I, you know, this is like COVID was already a thing. So I had like a little face mask and I had pulled that up over my face and my nose and my ears and everything. There was like no way to protect my eyes. So my eyes are like full of sand and I'm like straining to see but I go up to this to this car and it's trashed and there's no one in it and there's blood in the car but I don't see anyone in it and so I think maybe someone did get ejected and then I'm thinking like I'm replaying like every little bump that I hit like on the way there and I'm like oh god like please tell me I did not run over anyone but it turns out like the person like had bonked their head and, and they were bleeding but they had got out of the car and they were fine and they had actually walked over to the road and I think a fire department uh truck found them but yeah i remember that was sketchy just that no visibility so yeah and that that uh body and, and that's uh happened as far not with law enforcement but um i mean maybe law enforcement somewhere but yeah. not locally but yeah. they ran over a victim that was probably already deceased and it mm-hmm. was a uh, a dual-wheeled uh first responder type uh, vehicle that, uh, really? yeah, I mean, they were just, the thing is, you're looking at an accident over here. I, I can yeah. understand how it happened. Oh, you're yeah. looking at this accident mm-hmm. and, you, and you're, you know, you're looking past what's right on the ground in front of you because you're looking at a car upside down or whatever, yeah. but these people were thrown out and they teach mm-hmm. you to, yeah. you'd be looking for that, but you get, fo- I can see how it happened, mm-hmm. I, I should say, you know. Well, there's stuff like that that will happen though, like, it's an understandable mistake, but there's also, well, now I'm thinking about people getting run over and that brings up another story. So there's a guy that, that we both work with, and I won't mention his name on here, but um, he has a story at an agency he used to work at that I'll, one day I'll, I'll see if he'll tell the full story on here. But long story short, he was in a, a vehicle pursuit, felony suspect, something <laughs> like that, and a passenger uh, in the suspect vehicle decided to bail out of the vehicle like while they're in a high-speed pursuit. Like they're, I don't know how fast they're going, but um, 
this guy, he, he did everything he could do, tried to avoid him, tried to hit the brakes and everything, but he ran over this dude during the pursuit, and there was, like, no way to, like, avoid that, really. I mean, other than just, you know, say, oh, we'll just let the bad guy get away, but... Well, I mean, there's no way to know that the passenger's yeah, going to fail no yeah. whatever miles per hour. Is. If, you, if you're going 100-something miles an hour, you're not expecting someone to jump out of the vehicle, like, right in front of you at that moment. Like, that's a pretty stupid move. But, um, yeah, like, that, that happens. Like, crazy yeah, well, stuff you yeah, would I expect. Just, I mean, you get stuff you couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, like, you're just out doing the job, and all of a sudden you've run someone over through maybe not even any extreme negligence or fault of your own. It just happened. Well, and the stuff is... Unless you're a cop, I think maybe some of it sounds unbelievable, just like with the, with the dwarf and the pimp and the, you know the, all that stuff. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. it sounds like bullshit, but it's like real stuff that happens. And we're mm-hmm. not in the biggest agency, you know, yeah. either. I mean, our, our, our for our area, it's mid-sized, but it's yeah. you know, for compared to these large metro areas, we're yeah, small, that's a different but, animal, but yeah, but it's still it doesn't matter where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, it's just this craziness happens. Well, I think too, and tell me what you think, but I found that. Amongst first responders, especially cops, you find like a very interesting sense of humor with these guys. Oh, yeah. I think when you're exposed to the extreme of so many situations, like extremely like nasty, gory, dark, just morbid situations, you develop this kind of like a lot. Of, I've heard a lot of people refer to it as like a survival mechanism, where you have this dark sense of humor to to cope with the dark things you see or whatever, and and that may very well be. I don't know. But I know that um, uh, a friend of mine that I used to work with had had a really good analogy for that, and she would she said one time something about um, like you can ask a cop like a really demented like messed up funny question, and they'll answer it differently than like some I don't know some person who doesn't have that same sense of humor. But the the example she used was so if you go up to a random person and say like like well. Uh, like, hey, question for you. Hypothetically, like, how many raccoons do you think you could stuff up your ass? And we'll see, like, I don't know. Like, you know, that's gross or that's, you know, maybe even offensive or whatever. But then you ask that to a cop or something. And he's like seven. You know, yeah, he's like, they'll, they'll have an like, answer. Yeah. Or they'll think about it and they'll be like, well, how big are the raccoons? Yeah. Like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's funny, though, because it's a different mindset. How do you think you would uh, perform on this? My son is is going to work at a at a uh, kind of a neighboring agency, yeah. and he's got to take a psyche valve and all mm-hmm. that. And I was telling him, you know, I asked these off the wall questions, but then I got to thinking, yeah, I wonder how I would answer. It's like if you were to go back twenty years and get my psyche valve and how I answered the questions then, yeah, compared to how I answer them, you know, if I were to take it again, you know, how they would, uh, how the answers would differ as far as the way you perceive certain things, you know, yeah, it, because I think you have. You definitely have a different outlook on society, and I'm not saying yeah. necessarily it's bad, but just the the crazy stuff. Just yeah. it's so common to you that that, that stuff isn't crazy. It's crazy yeah. it would be to the regular person. I mean, you just yeah. have a different sense of of what the world is like after yeah. you've been a cop so long. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I think that's true, and that would be interesting to see how the like I don't know, almost like a like a pre. A pre-cop psyche valve versus like a, a seasoned cop psyche like you valve. Take one when you retire, you know. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Like I'd I'd kind of like to see the results of that, but yeah, because cops can share like crazy stories with each other, and it's like not really a big shocker. Yeah, like you know, oh hey, we uh, got called to this bar fight, and uh, we got there, and there was you know five dudes surrounded another dude on the ground, and they were stomping his face into the ground. I'm like oh yeah, well that happens, you know. But if you 
I don't know, never heard anything like that before. It's like, oh wow, like that's that's really bad. Well, last week I was calling one of our uh, one of the sergeants, on, and he was on duty, and I'm talking to him about something. Un, uh, it wasn't it wasn't work related, but I could hear mm-hmm. the radio in the background. Yeah. And somebody was getting dispatched to a uh, a female that was pulling her pants down, urinating on a bench. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and then a little bit later, they had a you know a mental subject at the ER that um, was having a, some kind of psychotic episode, and he was uh, talking about how he was trying to get over his uh, need to perform like sexual a- acts on a cat. Uh, oh, or, I yeah, think I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toward, toward a cat. That's gross. And, and, but that's, you know, and, and somebody else would like a normal person be like, what the fuck is like, what, what world <laughs> yeah. are these, like, where do these people work? Where do they live? Yeah. You know, but this is a, you know, a relatively smaller, you know, agency and, and this shit is happening, you know. It's and, pretty and, common. We don't, yeah. and, and me and the uh, the sergeant that I was talking to, we laughed it off and it wasn't his call or what. Yeah. And he, he, he was scanning. It was mm-hmm. a different channel. So he just quit scanning and he was like, God, you know, basically I'm glad that's not me going to that lady, <laughs> yeah. the lady pissing on the park bench. Mm, yeah. Like I've had plenty of those. Yeah. And, you know, it's gonna be a clusterfuck of a call. What, oh, yeah. She's probably mental. Who knows what you know? You, know, you don't know what you got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most people would be like, "What the hell?" But I, and we just went on and never even spoke about it again. Yeah. We talked about what we were talking about yeah. and did. But uh, other people, if you worked at, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, Walmart or whatever, you'd be you'd talk about that for weeks. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like so before I was a cop, I used to work at uh, Gander Mountain, um, and whenever there was still a Gander Mountain there, and. Uh, yeah, like I remember, like to this day, I still remember it because it was weird that it happened at Yetter Mountain. But we had some—I I don't know if she was high or crazy. Actually, looking back on it, maybe that was—we had some lady come in one time, and she had grabbed a backpack off a shelf and was like stuffing it full of stuff and trying to walk out with it, and you know, got stopped like, "Hey, ma'am, you need to pay for that," that type of thing. And she had this like super crazy fit. Well, that was like the talk of the Gander Mountain employees there for like months on yeah see like, that that type of yeah. that's exactly but like now where i'm at like with my life experiences in the law enforcement world like that is nothing like well yeah you know. that lady pissing on the park bench in front of people and and then the, and the dude with the weird hankering for cats yeah. uh, i don't think that other than the fact we talked about on this program i don't think that i mean yeah. in a year from now i wouldn't even probably remember that i'd be like what you know yeah like oh okay yeah that's weird but well do you remember this is a while back but uh you remember pterodactyl lady at the hospital yes oh yeah <laughs> yeah she was a character yeah so was her, her husband or whatever he was yeah i don't know what he was but they were a, a power couple but it's stuff like that that I don't know. I think one day, like, I might forget about her. Like, I think we can, we can probably mention. I mean, she was she was. Uh, There's a lot of things that she did, but one of them yeah. was she was <laughs> at the hospital and she pulled everything out and ran outside and was literally running around on the helipad, yeah. acting like a bird and making bird noises uh, <laughs> and, and I think moving her arms like a bird. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a weird one. She was also, and this is nasty, but I'll include it because it's an interesting, entertaining detail. But oh, yeah. she was the one in the in the jail that. She was taking her period blood and rubbing it all over the walls and the the door and everything, which those jail walls have seen some nasty things. But that well, was and her husband tried to break into the or her boyfriend oh, or whatever tried to break into the jail. That's right. Or, yeah. I mean, he was in the four year. Didn't really. I mean, but he was in the yeah. four year and tried to go into yeah. a, into a restricted area. Yes. And we ended up having we gave him every chance in the world. Ended up having to arrest him for trespass. Mm-hmm. He thought that his wife was not crazy and all this, yeah. and that we were making it up. Mm-hmm. And literally, when they're booking him in. She was at one of the tanks near the booking yeah. window, and he looked at. And I, I wasn't. I didn't go back to the jail with him, but the guys tell me that he <laughs> yeah. looked at her and saw her acting with that period blood, doing that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It was like they could say you see it, just laugh. Just she's like, oh. like these yeah. guys weren't lying to me. Like, she is batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
well, he was one of those for no reason guys. Like, you'll have yeah. my wife in there for no reason. And I'm like, well, no, actually, like, I know she's got some, some stuff going on, but nah, she committed some crimes, and that's why she's in there. And yeah. He did not believe us, and he would not be reasoned with to the point where he's going to do everything he could to, to bust her out of there and ended up in there himself. But, yeah, it's funny that he... Uh, I think he admitted defeat to himself. Yeah, he, he, like, they, they, again, I didn't see that part of it, but they yeah. said that he could just see it leave his body like, oh, man. Well, like, I remember geez. I remember you talked to him multiple times. I talked to him a oh, couple we times. Oh, like, for yeah. hours. Like, because he came back multiple times yes. throughout the day to our office. And, then, yeah. you know, he's in the four-year, so I got involved, and, and yeah. some of the patrol guys had come in. And, mm-hmm. um, well, and I, I remember telling him, too, that, like, hey, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of, what kind of issues she has going on, but, like, she she really needs to just kind of be to herself right now and i think that at this time we we don't really have any any better option for her, unfortunately but she kind of just needs to be here for now but if you want to wait on her and all that like it's totally cool not good enough for that guy like he he wanted her out and we couldn't let her out so it is what it is but it's just yeah like i said and it's just, it's well i'm interested to see i'm interested to see like as we go forward with this podcast and, and bring more cops on, bring just more first responders on. Uh, I'd like to, at some point to get some military veterans on mm-hmm. and just have all sorts of folks on, but I'm interested to see as we share more and more crazy stories on this podcast, I hope that those who you know tune in and listen to it maybe get a better um, perception that they may not have had before on some of the very wacky but very real situations that affect even even small town communities like ours like it's yeah no exactly i think a lot of people one of i've said it before i've said it in commissioner's court and stuff people don't realize like if they uh, wake up in the morning go outside and their truck's still there their daughter's not on meth you know she's not pulling tricks because she's on meth she's you know their 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 life and the little bubble they live in is fine Mm -hmm. yeah they don't really realize what we as as law enforcement needs as far as Mm -hmm. not just funding but just how busy we are because it's not affecting and and that's almost nothing against anybody because you know unless it affects you you don't know you know and you don't think about it Mm -hmm. but then once their truck's gone and the daughter's pulling tricks for meth because she's you know a junkie and all this stuff and they're like wait a minute we need to like what are we going to do about this meth problem in Mm -hmm. town yeah well hey it's been here for 10 years it just you know luckily for you it hadn't affected you and I I hate that it has now but but people don't don't realize things until it affects them that's true that's true i mean i've had someone approach me before while i was on duty and um i was actually sitting at an intersection watching traffic but they pulled up and and they were like friendly but i could tell that they were they were agitated and they had a very genuine agitated question but they wanted to know like like basically they they phrased their question like hey like you know listen like uh, you know i appreciate what you do but like couldn't you be doing something better than than you know just watching this intersection like you know are you just here to write tickets like because like my my shed got broken into the other day and like i don't see you in my neighborhood and blah blah, blah. fair question but then explain to that guy that like well we're watching this because we've had a lot of problems with people running this red light and the other day there was a bad crash where this lady got t-boned and got her arm cut off and so we're trying to cut down well, how, how did what was his demeanor when you told him that instant change yeah yeah well he was like oh and I could tell he kind of felt like a dickhead, and and he was like, well, you know, I, he's like, I'm not trying to get under your skin or anything, <laughs> and I'm like, well, like, you're not like it's a fair question, like because I, you know, well, I, yeah, to to the to, to the person that's that doesn't know, I mean, he hates mm-hmm. the untrained eye, whatever you want to call it, but sure, the, yeah, to the yeah person that's naive to law enforcement or what's going on in the community, and that's yeah. not, you know, what that also speaks to us doing our job well because you, you can mm-hmm. almost say like, hey. 
if Joe Blow down the street doesn't realize mm-hmm. there's a meth problem and there's a theft problem, vehicle theft problem yeah. here and all, all these things, yeah. then maybe we're kind of doing our job because mm-hmm. we're keeping it away from him. You know, exactly. because if people don't realize, not if yeah. everybody in the community, not every single swing of dick in the community mm-hmm. knows that there's a crime problem here, a meth problem, oh, yeah. that means, hey, we're keeping it away from some people, right? And that, Because if yeah. we weren't here, it'd be affecting everybody. Well, and we could probably, in the future, we should probably do like a whole episode breaking down crime stats and what fuels a lot of crime. And whenever you look at the breakdown and see how much crime, especially violent crime, is kind of fueled or caused by drugs you start to realize like i hear a lot of very interesting opinions nowadays on on drug use and there's even opinions out there like oh, all drugs should just be legalized like if you're an adult and you want to do drugs just do drugs I'm like well when you look at like how people who are addicted to illegal narcotics affect their community like you realize a lot of people get hurt a lot of people have their property damage stolen whatever like it's it's bad on the community but I think a lot of times uh, people don't people don't realize that, and they don't realize that. Yeah, whenever you shut something down like that, like you get some dope off the street, you're never going to be able to quantify or tell like what problems you prevented, but you know that you prevented some serious problems. Like, we'll, we'll save this for another episode too. But we, we've in our own community here locally, we've had an extremely god awful grizzly terrible murder that occurred with literal blood and guts all over the place all caused by a dude that was high on meth and so who's to say maybe if we would have maybe he wasn't ever going to stop being a meth addict but if we could have maybe busted the meth and seized it the the meth that he took whenever he committed that murder maybe if we could have taken that off the street I don't know, something would have gone differently, the universe would have worked a different way, and maybe that murder would have never occurred. Maybe it still would have occurred, and we would have just postponed it. Who knows? But, yeah, you're never going to regret, in my experience, you're never going to regret taking dope off the streets. No, so. that's when the cartel involved, even in the in the legal marijuana, yeah. <clears throat> the cartel's interjecting itself into that in in mm-hmm. Oklahoma and up in Colorado, so they're getting involved, yeah. involved in that, which that could be another conversation too. But yes, one thing yeah. I want to touch before I forget about it is crime uh-huh. stats. Have you? Yeah. Which I, I don't know how <clears throat> much you've been involved with the Nibers, or, or and that's our crime reporting, but. Yeah. Crime stats aren't as accurate now that I'm on this side of things. Like yeah. it's, which is very, very disappointing to me because I used to, to like to look at books and see yeah. number. I like numbers and yeah. I like looking at stuff. Well, I don't know that you can believe them. Not that mm-hmm. people are purposely false, but it's just, you know, one state calls a, a, a burglary this, and another state calls a burglary a robbery. What yeah. we look at is burglary is a robbery, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you get these national crime stats. Well. They're not, and they're only as good as the reporting too. You could have some lazy yeah. ass guy taking care of your crime stats for you, and and not reporting the numbers accurately. That's it, a big problem. I don't yeah. know how accurate these numbers are. They're probably much higher than what they're actually given because I yeah. doubt you're overcounting. You're probably undercounting big time. Well, and that's so. So, my wife here is actually a math teacher, and she can tell you that like I hate math. I'm not good at it, but I love statistics. But you're right. When you break down statistics and look at things like how they're collected or how the data is set up or manipulated or anything, like you can kind of get statistics to say almost anything you want yeah. if you're not careful. You really got to look into, like if someone hands you a page of stats and says, hey, like this is the data, you really got to analyze, like, well, where does this data come from and how was it collected, how was it arranged and all that, because that can make all the difference. 
but uh yeah so crime stats not being totally accurate is a is a very real thing for sure yeah, and that that's a that's a unfortunate again and it's just the people may not be reporting it properly mm-hmm. if you got some guy that's like yeah well and there's also things too where like maybe someone's not even being lazy but there's like a difference in terminology. Like oh, shoot, yeah, and we have problems with that because mm-hmm. it, our, our, yeah, the, the feds call something one thing and, and yeah. Texas calls it another. And well, then, like, because I see that, like, in the detective world, where, like, some states, like, they have an actual criminal charge for, they call it rape, but in Texas, we call that sexual assault, mm-hmm. and so that sounds like two different things. It's the same thing. It's rape, but the terms are different, and so if you look at, you know, these national stats, whatever, depending on who collected those stats, if they didn't account for the differences in terminology actually meaning the same thing, those numbers might be off. Well, and so. Jace can tell you more because he's the one that handles our numbers, yeah. of course, but he, you know, we look at our our stats that the state has, and they're super low compared to, you can pull our incident reports, mm-hmm. and it's way higher, and I'm like, what's the deal here? And he's like, yeah. it's the way they want it classified. Mm-hmm. Some of the yeah. stuff doesn't make it, even though it's actual crime that they're, yeah. you know, supposedly wanting. It's it's real mm-hmm. weird. It, it's a probably a flawed system, honestly. It probably is, and... That's something that I don't know a whole lot about, so it's hard for me to comment on it, but it, it kind of makes me wonder, like, I'm sure they have, I'm sure the state has their reasons for wanting things reported the way they do, but those reasons are not very well understood to a guy like me, and so it, it just makes it more confusing for me, but luckily that's not really my area of, of expertise. In the yeah, I don't want anything to do with, like, Jason's <laughs> job and yeah, dealing he, with all that crap. Yeah. I mean, I know it's very important. Yeah, and, and I'm glad that we have him there doing what he's doing. But mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I, yeah. that's something I definitely don't want to do. This, yeah, I mean, I'm riding the desk, uh, him doing stuff, but it, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad it's not that. Well, and I guess too, I don't, one thing I don't think we mentioned when we started is um, at our at our current agency that we both work at. Um, so you're actually the the patrol division lieutenant. Now that's your your current position. Um, but r- just real quick, so I, we've been actually we've actually been at it for a lot longer than. I, I no, no, I looked down and yeah. saw it too. I'm like, wow, this yeah. is really good, I guess. Yeah, it, it is good. It's it's been a good conversation, and I think we'll have a good episode. But real quick, run through real quick, just because I think it's interesting. So you start out as just a a patrol deputy. Can you run through kind of the the assignments that you had throughout your career? Yeah, um, I was a patrol deputy, and I let's see, let me think when I started, like in '03. So in 2000. Eight, I got promoted mm-hmm. to sergeant January of 2008. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, a couple of years after that, no, right, right around that time, I was on our ERT team uh, for uh, yeah. a, a few years, actually. It was an interagency team. Mm-hmm. And um, at kind of the end of me being on the ERT team, I, um, which it wasn't a full-time team, of course, it was a part-time deal. Sure, yeah. I became uh, a canine, and mm-hmm. I was working the highways and, and doing that, and I did yeah. that. Uh, and I maintained the rank of sergeant, but was also doing canine. It was a little bit, yeah, uh, a lot of my plate there. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was doing both. And then uh, my dog, um, who, who just recently passed away, mm. um, he uh, he had this. I think it's called Panis. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but it, it's a degenerative eye disease that he had. And we actually, he actually had a surgery at OSU uh, at the college really? there. Yeah, the university, uh, mm. and they implanted these. 
ah, something in his eyes where it would slowly release, uh, I think tacrolumus maybe was the medication it released into his eyes. And it was they t typically do it on horses. And oh. they did it on him. I, I had uh, a vet uh, in a neighboring community kind of set me up with uh, OSU, and I talked to them, and they're like, you know, we normally just do this on horses, but we'll, it's a service animal, and we'll, we'll do yeah. it. And so we, we, I did everything I could do to make that dog yeah. know, keep his sight. And yeah. But he, he was getting older, and I promoted to uh, patrol lieutenant, and so we retired mm -hmm. him. I kind of got off there about what, but uh, well, sure. I was no, canine no, no, yeah. for a while and, and took care of my dog. Uh, the, uh, my canine, his name was Lucifer. Uh, the, they <laughs> yeah. named him uh, at the outfitter we got him from, or maybe in the Czech Republic. <laughs> that's where he originally came oh, from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Czech. He was a Czech dog. But, um, nice. Uh, he retired, and I made lieutenant about the same time. Okay. And then um, I've been uh, lieutenant for, for about four years now. And then Lucifer just, just passed a couple of, uh, yeah. probably 10 days ago. Yeah, no, he, Lucifer was operating before my time, but yeah, I I hear a lot of stories. Kind of after all that happened, he had passed and all that. People were talking, people who got to work around him and everything, so he was a damn good dog. Yeah. So, yeah, well, shame. No, that's cool though. Yeah, it's a uh, it's interesting. I think to see people's progression, like in their in their careers, and yeah, it, it kind of makes me wonder because like where I'm at now, like. So I, I just recently, so I, I started out patrol, just deputy, and then I just recently made sergeant. But I don't know, I, I, I kind of, like, I have aspirations right now. I'm trying to get um, involved with ERT, which is, uh, for those who aren't aware, which is the emergency response team, um, which is a tactical uh, unit. It's, it's like a SWAT team, but we don't call it a SWAT team because, and you would know more about this, but to be like a official SWAT team, you have to meet certain Yeah, there's there's certain amount of training you have to do, which we, we do, you know, the, yeah. our ERT, which I'm no longer on it, but our, I'm kind uh -huh. of over the team, but I'm not on it. Right, right. Um, yeah. But our guys, uh, they do eight hours of training a month specifically for that, but there, there's much more mm -hmm. to do. Be, there's a lot of people that call themselves a SWAT team that really don't meet that criteria. I don't yeah, know if that's, that's nationwide, but like in Texas, yeah. there's certain criteria, and we don't meet that to be a, a SWAT team because you've sure. certain equipment you got to have and all that. We don't have that. Yeah. So we're ERT. We're not going to call. Yeah says something that we don't we're really not well correct yeah yeah and it's kind of I don't want to say it's the exact same thing because it's not the exact same but it's ERT is is a small a small agency's version of SWAT like yeah it's, it's, it's kind of a good way to, to yeah, probably yeah probably I mean rightfully so I and mean, there's these small yeah. agencies that are calling themselves SWAT and they're not SWAT we're not SWAT yeah. they're not SWAT you know I'm no, we'll leave no. that to the guys yeah. that are really SWAT and that's, yeah. that's not us we're squared away but we're not there we're, yeah exactly well and it's one thing like you know an ERT, an, an emergency response team, could be, you know, theoretically just as squared away as a SWAT team, but if you don't have, like, this piece of equipment, then technically you don't qualify. Yeah, and you have to do a certain amount of training, yeah. I mean, you know, per month, and it, yeah. it's, it's hard to do as, um, yeah. with the limited number of personnel that we have and, and well, things like that, it's hard to get that much in there. I think it should be noted, too, that most, like, actual formal SWAT teams are full-time, like, yeah. they're bigger agencies where it's like, hey, like, you know, you're assigned to the SWAT team, and, like, that is your only job is SWAT stuff, but... Around here, smaller agencies, people got to wear a lot of hats. You know, you find yourself being patrol division sergeant and canine unit and on the, the tactical team. So it's it's all that rolling. Yeah, and you get well-rounded that way. Um, you, yeah, you definitely get that. So, yeah, that, that's kind of... 
I will give it to the ERT guys on this, though. They are deploying to the same type of deal yeah. uh, that a full-time SWAT team would, because we don't it's, have a full-time SWAT team in, yeah. in this area. I mean, mm-hmm. well, we do to our south, but it's our, our guys are going right. to barricade the subject that are fired shots. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been to that, and there's some of the stories you were talking about with that guy in the garage. Yeah. Well, yeah. he didn't fire a shot. He, that's a... Could have. I mean, yeah, it's, it's that's a that situation. A full-time yeah. SWAT team would go to in a, mm-hmm. in a larger uh, area. Same type of work. It, it, there's a difference in, in terminology and, and really semantics. It's kind of split hairs but but that's I guess for the audience that's the reasoning for yeah the name for the ERT name yeah why you call it ERT versus SWAT but it's the same for for most intents and purposes it's the same thing um, yeah so that's something that I actually think that I want to pursue in my career right now is uh, I'd really like to be involved with a uh, some sort of tactical team and I just want the experience there and I want to do my part to kind of get to experience that role in law enforcement kind of just get that flavor of it um but what about you have you ever um had anything you wanted to to do in your career so far that maybe you haven't got to do or anything like that yeah did it actually and kind of unfortunately for, for me um uh, i was right before i promoted um i had been doing some narcotic work and in, in, in working with the dea yeah. on a you know kind of a state level but they uh these regional offices have things called uh, tfos task force officers and um at the time, they, uh, oh, one of the, the, I guess, kind of one of the agents in charge of the area, uh, they kind of go out and recruit, and they, they try to get uh, deputies or, or officers from local agencies to come be a TFO forum. Sure. And, and they uh, talked to our me and our sheriff about me coming over and doing that, which had been super cool because although I'd been working for the department I work at now, I would have been mm-hmm. assigned to the DEA and been going doing cool high-speed stuff with them, which has always kind of been a... Uh, from the point I started working dope, working yeah. narcotics, that was always like one of my goals. I super wanted to do that. And uh, the sheriff at the time, you know, knew that I was going to promote and was like, look, we need you in this position. But it wasn't, it wasn't a hard no that he gave me, but he, I mean, he gave me a no, but he liked me. And I think I could have, I think I could have probably persuaded him to, to yeah. you know, let me do that assignment. <laughs> um, and I, uh, over the course of a few days, I really thought about it. And I talked to the, the, uh, the guy that I kind of followed and, and taught me to work dope Shane Glassy and talked to him of course he's like man you need to do this mm-hmm. but yeah. the, the more I thought about it and just my responsibilities within the department and everything I just thought it was more of a and maybe the sheriff wouldn't let me do it I'd like to think I probably could have talked him into letting me go but I, I think yeah. overall for the department uh, it was probably a better decision just for me to stay and take on the ro- the, the the role that I took on as, as a lieutenant you know yeah. in the patrol division but it was a it was a tough decision I mean it was a, it was a hard man it just came too late in my career and, and it's something I'll never get back. I'll never get to do that again because of where I'm at, and it's just something that I. Yeah. It's just uh, that time has passed. But boy, that was really something that that I had always dreamed about doing and, and, and thought would be very fun. And I still get to work with those guys sometimes, and, and especially back well, then yeah. I was working with them more. But I mean, man, it'd be cool to go do the high speed shit that they're doing. Yeah. And, uh, I hope uh, we get to a point in our department where we can get somebody else to do that, though. And you know, just because you know, I didn't get to do it doesn't mean that. Um, you know, our department should just be like, yeah, like where they can't, nobody can do it. Exactly. Well, yeah, and for for a, a cop who's out there who likes to work narcotics and everything, that's got to be like the dream job. You know, like it's because that's like you said, super high speed and 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and those are the guys, man. I mean, that, those yeah. are always who, you know, <laughs> we're working stuff at, at a local level. And if you get lucky and kind of get some higher mid-level people, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you're going to call in folks like the DEA. And they're yeah. going to use their resources in their jurisdiction to, uh, you know, move that case further. Yeah. And be able to be a part of that and follow that outside of our jurisdiction have been it, super cool, bro. Yeah. It seems to me like, like that would basically be the, to make an analogy out of it, that's like the the varsity team of working dope. Yeah. So like it yeah, that would have been a, a super cool opportunity for you, I think. But but on that same note, I think I think you get into situations really in any career field, but including law enforcement where there might be something really specific that you want to do with your career. There might be a really specific assignment that you want. Um we'll take detectives for example. Like maybe you get in you're a cop for a few years and you want to go detective and you really want to pursue that route and you get it and everything, well, if everyone wanted to do that and say, hey, I want to do the super cool detective stuff, you'd wind up with a whole agency of detectives and that ultimately would not be an effective police force because you need your patrol guys, you need your SWAT guys, you need your K-9 guys, you need your NARC guys, all that. So, I don't know, I think in your, I think in your situation, like, you were at kind of this, this crossroads in your career, it sounds like, where, you know, you could, they needed you to do this lieutenant route and kind of take take command of the patrol division and work that and there was this other opportunity but it's a tough call it's a tough call but I think sometimes you got to make the tough calls and be like hey maybe uh, I could be of more use to my community and, and my agency by taking the reins of this role instead of doing whatever x well sure and if they were going to do any type of cuts or anything i'm yeah. sure that position would have been the first one they cut and there's then, that to consider and too. then you know that would have rolled me back into you know mm-hmm. who, who knows what capacity i would have been serving but and i'm very i'm enjoying what what i'm doing now too well, sure. just, yeah we yeah. talk about you know career goals or things that we're super interested in and you can't do everything i mean we're a smaller department yeah we wear multiple hats but at oh, the yeah. same time we can't we can't do everything and then yeah. sometimes uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get your head of yourself and try to want yeah. everything in law enforcement. Well, we're well, we're, we're too big. We've got people that can, you know, we can't do everything. A huge factor is like being at a smaller agency. That that becomes even even more of a prevalent issue because I know a lot of guys that we work with would love to be on a full time SWAT team where it's it's just all you know training and tactics and and call outs and all that, which is great. But unfortunately, we don't. We're, we're not the size where we have the manpower for that. And so, people gotta make the decision where it's like, hey, I, I want to be part of the tactical team. Okay, great. But that's not your only responsibility. You gotta also take care of the stuff on patrol. You gotta also take care of the stuff with uh, criminal investigations division, whatever. And it's. Yeah, it's tough, but well, you got to be disciplined, and I think the guys have to be disciplined. I hear yeah. uh, stories from other departments where guys are maybe they're on a tactical mm-hmm. team, but they're part time, and then they uh, they don't <laughs> want to take all their calls, and they don't want to do this and that because they're like, yeah. oh, I'm on this division or or that, you know. So we, yeah. and I think we do a good job at not having that happen uh, where we work. That's one thing that I really like, and I know like we just we're biased, obviously, but we tend to butter up our own agency a lot, but not without due cause. Like, we're really good, and we got a good group of guys, and um, that's one thing I like is that in the law enforcement field, you'll find a lot of type A personalities and people who are just go-getters, and they want to be the best at whatever they're doing, and, and that's good. But I think with that, a lot of times comes a lot of ego, and a lot of the guys we work with, I think, are good at keeping their ego in check and just leaving it at the door and 
you know, they, they might be a, a super badass cop who's extremely well-trained and they're a, a SWAT member and they're on patrol and they're in this other division and they do all this cool stuff. But then if you, if you call them out in the middle of the night and say, hey, I need you out on this scene and I need you to watch over this piece of evidence and make sure that it doesn't get tampered with, they can swallow that ego and be like, okay, like that's what I'll do, that's my job, and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this evidence now. Like I'm not gonna do anything else, but I'll just do that. And it's hard to do, but a lot of our guys are really good at that, and that discipline is is key and being a good team member. So yeah, and I'm sure wearing multiple hats, you know, plays part of that because they they understand that because they've. Yeah. There, there's nobody to come there and babysit that evidence. You know, maybe yeah. a guy on duty or this other guy's going to have to do it because mm-hmm. we have limited staffing, you know. Yeah. So, and yeah. that's, there's probably some bit. I mean, there's there's some downsides to that, but there's benefits also. Yeah. Teamwork makes a dream work, I guess. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know um, I know we're, tr- we're kind of trying to wrap this up. We've, we've gone on... Um, Longer than I originally thought we would, which is really good. I think. Yeah, it's gone super fast. I yeah. didn't realize I looked down and saw how, <laughs> yeah. how long we've been sitting here talking, and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's been very long, but it has. It really doesn't. But no, I, I think it's been good, and um, I guess the the real question is, what does Ashley think? Since you've been sitting and listening in, you think it's uh, been worthwhile? I think I've learned a lot more than I wanted to today. Okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Too many gory stories. Nah. Yeah. No, it's been good. It's been good. I've married, kind of married a cop, but in doing so, I kind of married into the cop family yeah, of yeah, everyone. Yes. And yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's that's very much part of it. So, we'll have to do an episode next time or something with. Uh, I want to tell. I want you to tell the story of the first time you met the cops of, oh, of yeah, the community. So, <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. That was a whirlwind for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, I guess for right now, um, we're gonna call it an episode. Um, We'll, we'll see everyone next time. If you like this type of uh, podcast, then feel free to reach out to us on social media or anything like that if you've got episode ideas or um, questions you would like answered on the podcast, and we can look into that and um, try and get better every time we do it. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.